Take your time. Still clicking around in the document. I'm clicking everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm clicking on videos that you just posted in there. I should have, uh, if I'd seen it sooner, I would have watched it sooner. Oh, yeah, I put three. Uh, you can start adding the show notes if you want. I uh, put three of them up. The guy has three videos. Three? Why, well, Wired did this thing. I mean, I don't know if it's an ongoing thing, but in this case, uh, we're, well, is this the show? You're asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you. Is this the show we love to talk now? Have you had time to <laughs> limber up? I know you like to have some time at the top. Yeah. Tra- transition, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, go ahead. Let me know when it's the show. <laughs> Everything <laughs> that's in the show. So. Um, well, see, now it's all <laughs> it's all a jumble now. Because follow up. Uh, hey, how's it going? Um, oh, God. This is a wreck. Um, we got some follow up uh, from uh, previous episodes. We uh, we ended up accidentally talking about um, accents in our uh, last episode, episode seventy five, and uh, woo, we got some strong opinions from the accent people. Accents, the other secret salt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Boy, you don't want to you don't want to tell UK people what they sound like. You know what I'm they, saying? They didn't seem they weren't angry. Did you get angry stuff? I didn't see any angry stuff. Really? Well, there were a handful of people. No, we don't get that much response to the show. Um, but but there were a handful of UK people uh, who were there to tell us that the things that uh, were getting passed around that I had retweeted in the feed, these videos, hey, check out this lady. She does 195 different UK accents. They're like, oh, that's terrible. She does all of these and she didn't do that and she did that wrong. And I was like, file a bug. I don't know what it sounds like. Dr. Don Shafter posted this cool video of this lady seeming to me like she did pretty good accents. I mean, I could tell they were different. And so, you know, I was like, yeah, I was like, eh, what are you going to do? I mean, my whole point here is I'm a student. Like, I don't know. I want to learn. And that seemed like a good place to learn. You could kind of tell that she wasn't, uh, you could kind of tell that through, through all the voices that she did, I still kind of heard her voice. Like she wasn't they, they fully seemed... committed to a few yeah. of them. Yeah, sure. like, I mean, but what do you expect? Like she, she did like twenty of them. Like, and she's not going to have perfect leadings or twenty. Just for someone right. who doesn't know the accents to say, oh yeah, she's reminding me of that time I saw someone, an actor who sounded like that, and that must have been where they were either from or pretending. Right, to be and from. she kind of made it silly because she'd do a funny line mm-hmm. that you know in that accent, and yeah, yeah but it's, I mean it's, 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 an it's for entertainment video. purposes, right? Yeah. Perfect YouTube video. It's fine. It's fine. So anyway, so then I says to the people, I says, okay, I'm not trying to offend anybody. Like, uh, or I think the word I use was, I'm not trying to annoy anybody. I, I honestly, I'm seeking to learn here. If you have examples of these things, like I know you can go out and like, there are people like, I guess, ethnographers. There are people mm-hmm. who go out and do stuff, like do field recordings of like what people sounded like in this area of West Virginia in the 1930s or whatever. And I, I, I really, I genuinely enjoy stuff like that. But I also have to admit for entertainment value, I like the idea of somebody who can emulate other accents. I apologize to the UK, to UK. I apologize to UK if I cast an aspersion on anybody's accent I didn't mean to. I'm, uh, I'm super interested in this stuff. The thing I put in notes is something I watched. I've watched several times over the years, which is I don't know. YouTube is so unmoored from the rest of the world. Uh, three videos by this guy named Eric Singer. Go check show notes for this episode. Um, and they are so this guy purports to be a he's a linguist and he's also a coach. He teaches actors and people how to improve 
their ideolect, their dialect, the thing that they want to sound like. And the three that I've added to notes are movie accent expert uh, breaks down 31 actors playing real people. So how, how closely did they nail a real person? Did, um, did, uh, what's his name really sound like Ray Charles? Did he really sound like Muhammad Ali, et cetera? A second video here about, uh, 32 actors accents in general. And then one that I, th- it's real nerdy, but pretty interesting breaking down six fictional languages. And the reason I suggest these, I think they're really good videos. They're very well done. They are, there's ample examples provided throughout. But what I like about this guy from a nerdy standpoint is like he shows you like what those people are doing with their mouth, right? Like there's a, like, you know, in order to have this Indian accent, you do this kind of rolling back with your tongue. If you're doing Brad Pitt, well, Brad Pitt, not so great. But if you're trying to do a Tennessee Tennessee accent, you kind of jut your mouth forward. Um, And for, if you're interested in the whole accent game, uh, check out these videos by a guy named uh, Eric Singer. I think they're really good. I've seen this guy before. And yeah, it's definitely coming from the perspective of uh, evaluating performances and teaching actors to give performances that uh, that are, I, I suppose, as close as you can get to uh, the real thing. And it just shows how difficult it is because with all the study and all the careful, uh, you know, using a, a body and mouth posture and, and really practicing the the lines that you're going to have to say, Always when compared to the genuine article, yeah, there's some artifice is is still there. Because you have, you know, you think about any performance and all the layers to a performance and having to do it on the day and, like, you know, just how challenging that must be. But I don't think he does it in, like, a mocking way. I think he's very sympathetic. But he's hmm, able yeah. to say, like, for example, when Michael Keaton is doing what purports to be a Boston accent. You can hear where he got the vowel right here and he didn't get the vowel right there. Yeah. And I think that those kinds of side-by-sides are a good way to try and get inside, you know, what's actually happening with that process. So where do you think you have links to three videos? Because there's one URL in the document that takes you to one video. Go to the CMS. This is what you call Why would I be looking there? Why wouldn't I be in the oh show? Oh my God. Oh my God. Why, why would I write something down if I can put it where it needs to be? Mm-hmm. So you don't even, you don't know about this? Every time we start a new episode, I create a new episode in the CMS so we can use the bookmarklet. You don't know about this. I know about the bookmarklet. <sighs> Anyways, uh, now, if you want one that is kind of a funny shooting fish in a barrel type situation, part of this same rough series, I guess called Technique Critique, uh, another really good one that I will put in notes, uh, a surgeon named Annie Onishi, general surgery resident at Columbia. She goes, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, a, how long is this? It's a 21 minute video where she goes through and says how realistic people doing doctor things in TVs and movies are. And it's really good. It's really entertaining. That is fish in a barrel for sure. But Although so- somehow it has, a, it has a, uh, an air of more class when doctors do it than if say computer nerds or civil war buffs were to do it, you know? <laughs> right. Well, it's, it, but she does, she does it in a funny way. And she also does say like when they're getting it right, a lot of it, I mean, some of it is shooting fish in a barrel and that's what makes it funny at points, but other points she's saying, well, in this kind of situation, I give them credit. Cause so the person and they call in a code blue, she's like, well, first of all, notice I'm not spoiling this. It's just a, compilation notice here that the before they even treat the patient they call in the cold code blue and the second thing they start doing they start moving furniture away she says that's exactly what we would do because you would need to bring in all this equipment and people and that was very realistic but then she'll also call out like if you're using this kind of nobody would call for you know that kind of unit um of a medicine or something like that or uh (laughs) there wouldn't be you know these operating theaters you know kramer would not actually be there with a junior mint it can be very refreshing it's a junior mint. It's a ju- <laughs> triangle boy. 
So Lane, when are we going out to dinner? That's a good episode. Triangle Boy. Is that the same one? Like, they, same they one. So same many, one. This thing with A, B, and C plots, like there are so many of them that you really start to that lose one track of what is George gets unexpected money for some reason. He gets like $1,500 unexpectedly. He wants to invest it. Elaine's ex-boyfriend, who's lost all this weight because he was so inconsolable about her breaking up with him. He's in the hospital. She's got to visit him. Jerry's supposed to be her beard. And what was the other plot? I guess it's uh, Kramer. Is that the more? No, Kramer wanting to steal the gloves is with the werewolf boy. Was that that one? Might be the same one because he's going to refinish everything and make it like a ski lodge. I think that might, might all be the same episode. That's a pretty incredible recall for... Uh, yeah, for me. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe you've seen them more than more than one time. I really enjoy that show. Um, yeah, videos, they're good. So anyway, and also what I wanted to say was, and I hope I don't sound too defensive about this, but you know, anytime you ever get notes on a podcast where there's a podcast that have we talked about this, you get a podcast that was released weeks or months ago and somebody sends you like a correction about it. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do? You include that in follow-up. Uh, I mean, if it's, it's too late to do it in follow-up if it's been really far away, but like, uh, for articles, I used to, I still do get typo corrections for articles I wrote 10, 15 years ago, and I fix them if I can. Because you can. Like, because you, you can. Yeah, why wouldn't you fix them? It's like, you know, it's, yeah. it is. I, I it, appreciate the people who continue to be concerned about John Roderick mentioning the name of his daughter, which is not a, not a thing that we have actively worried about in at mm-hmm. least a year. But mm-hmm. I still get very concerned. People are like, can you please follow me? Because I need to DM you something very important. And of course, mm-hmm. you and me. <laughs> at this point now, I'm getting the watches going off. I'm like, what is this? What is, is this my undoing? And it's like, well, just, it's an OPSEC thing. Just so you know, in an episode a couple months ago, um, mm-hmm. John mentioned his daughter's name. They just, want, they just want to be a friend. I know they're trying to be helpful, but I'm like, what, <laughs> like, what, what, what do you, <laughs> what do you want me to do about that? Do you really, do you really get people asking you for DMs? Yes. Wow. That's, and it's, it's that's frequently, a... it's frequent, always freaks me out. Don't do it. No, not not because I'm being mean, but just because you're going to give me an infarction. Yeah, it, it's like uh, it's like sending, uh, you know, uh, uh, leaving a voicemail message as we need to talk. Oh, <laughs> I know, I know. It's exactly what that. is a stranger. It has less weight, but it's just I don't. I think maybe I've super rarely gotten that. And I see all of the sort of horror story threads on Twitter, where it's always some poor woman being harangued by men who. Uh, like want to lure them into direct message conversations by sounding grave and serious. And then once they get into them, they're just oh, is total that a, tools. Is that, that's a, that's a move. Yeah. It's all, it's, they, they want to berate them, but they want to berate them in public or they want to come on to them and then berate them, but they mm-hmm. want to do it in public. So they'll say basically anything to make it sound like this is about the safety of your child. Please DM me. Right. Oh, God. And then it's, yeah. Anyway. Well, and, and see now, now I feel like I'm being like a, some kind of a jerk or something. I, no, no, I, I, no, I appreciate like, people I doing it, that. I, just, it, it was, I just, it there's logically weird. not anything. I, I can't get John. Ro- I've told John Roddick, I'm not going to edit the show. I'm not going to bleep things. So like, don't say things on a podcast that you don't want to be on a podcast. And I've behind the scenes, I said this. And so if you keep saying it, like I, I, that I can't change that. No, it's fine. Like it's a, it's a type of thing that you would expect someone to people age care, out John. Of. They like, care. Like when, when his daughter is 40 years old. Yes. He's, it's, you can say her name, right? And why she's going to go back and listen to all of those shows? It just, I don't. Know. It's mm-hmm. it's up to him, and he's in control. And it's not. I mean, it's nice that people are concerned that maybe you didn't realize you did it, but it's yes. Uh, like at least they didn't do it publicly with little Gary the privacy clown. Yeah. Read on it. 
That's the other strain, by the way, with the, the poor uh, women getting messages from men saying, I've stopped, I've stopped even de- mentioning Gary because like, it's, it's, it's so upsetting to me. It's a, <laughs> but it's, it's a nice shorthand. No, no, uh, it, is, it is a nice shorthand, but it also encourages a kind of behavior that I, I, yeah, it's like you and Alex looking at the camera, looking at the, the photos too carefully. Yeah, everyone, everyone looks at the photos. Did you hear uh, Alex follow up to you? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, we, she addressed we, you directly we on agree, our program. although like I, I think I said that she investigates and she said that she doesn't. So it's just <laughs> the two of us being honest that we, that we both uh, look. Give me a break. And everybody looks. We're, we're, uh, we are. Thank you to everyone. Thank you to, not everyone. Thank you to anyone who listens. I'm grateful that you listen to the show. And so here's what I would say to you is that I, I can't speak for John, but for myself, I am genuinely interested in all this accent stuff. And so like, if you have particularly good uh, videos that you can point to, preferably on YouTube, of good accent things, like that, that little, that really cute video of the girl from Yorkshire, wasn't that adorable? Mm-hmm. That was cute. so cute. But like, especially anybody who's going to like, you know, I, I like the entertainment component of somebody being able to do an impression. But like, if you have good accent related things that you think would be useful, please feel free to send them along on Twitter. They'd be greatly appreciated. That's all I had to say about that. All Lancashire, right. Lancashire. I think it's right. Is it right outside of Manchester? She even mentioned <laughs> Christopher Eccleston by name. Did you notice that? <laughs> that's, the, that's the other part with the, you know, lots of planets have a north, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know where anything is. In England, so it's not like a, what is north, east, west? I appreciate like, your honesty. I'm can, the same way. I can point to London, <laughs> right? And that's about it. I know somewhere over the water like, is France, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, I know. But like in general, like in England, there are all these cities. Like well, that's the north, and that's that's the west, and that's the south. And which which direction is Manchester from London? Which direction? I mean, Norfolk. Right. North that's that's right in the, the north name, too. But, that's the north. That's the one that remembers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh Lancashire. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh population is a Lan- Lancastrians. Hmm. Hmm. They always pay their debts. Huh? Oh wait, that's a that's a oh <laughs> that's funny. You made a pun. That's good. Huh. Two false starts, but you got there. Good. Huh? Okay. Um so that's the accent follow-up. Is this the show? We we started, right? Yeah, no, we're we're in it. Right. I don't necessarily the, the Merlin's I, second follow-up item now. I wrote some follow-up things. I don't necessarily want to get into this. Uh, I, I, I needed a safe place. I'm just bitching at this point, John. I, I just mm-hmm. wanted to bitch about Face ID. I'm sorry if I've upset anybody with wet hands. I wasn't trying to upset anybody with <laughs> wet hands. As you see <laughs> you here, I've some... They'll, they'll, they'll touch you and, and make your clothes damp. Make you, yeah, it's moist. Um, mm-hmm. in the great, in the great discussion of touch ID versus face ID, permit me to share with you the summary of what I've learned. Some people like one more than the other and others like the other, other. And, and then people have feelings about that. What's the other, other, you know, the other one. So I, I get the whole glove climate thing. And I have to mm-hmm. say, you know, uh, somebody suggested this and, uh, I, I, I did have the recognition thing on where you have to be looking at it. Yep. Somebody suggested flipping that off, which I'm not crazy about, but I did do that. The attention feature. Right? Attention feature. And that does help a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. I still like maybe, Touch ID better. Maybe you have trouble making eye contact with your phone. You think I might be too introverted? You should ask Alex about that. She'll probably make, I don't know, she'll make, she'll make constant eye contact, I guess, because it's See, like just, a little just robot. Just mentioning her name, she's going to be under a blanket. She'll be so upset. Why? Witness me. She doesn't like being noticed. <laughs> so, well, uh, being on podcasts is not the road to that. See, that's the thing with these millenniums is you try to tell them that, right? And she says like, oh my God, I can't go look at the Patreon anymore. It's too upsetting to me to know who's listening to the show. And I said, well, you know, one thing you could do is not go look at the Patreon. 
maybe mm-hmm. so, so got engage, engage with the the community. You think you got engaged with the make with the them content make them consumers. feel valued, make it feel like they're getting yes. their money's worth. Yes, yes. Unless it upsets you, and then you take shouldn't it. do that. Take another little piece of my heart, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now take, baby, take, baby. Yeah, I, I think I think millennials do this to themselves. I really think they do. Um, That's why it really hurts. Mm-hmm. Love hurts. Ooh, ooh, love hurts. No, you missed. You missed what? mine. What? I, which one did you do? Uh, Radiohead. Uh, just. Just love no. hurts. No. Just. You said the millenniums, they do just, to themselves, they really do. And then I themselves. said, that's why it really hurts. And then you're hurts. supposed to say, because they do it to themselves. To themselves. What, what album is that on? Um, is that the, the bands? Is it really? Mm, hmm. Let me see. No, I'm. Let's see. See, that's going to upset me now. <laughs> but you know what? Stop investigating. That's what I say. I say stop investigating. Stop learning. Stop learning things you don't want to learn. But I learned it from the three investigators. Can't hmm. be helped. There's three of them. <sighs> so but deep ben, in the you're right. Sorry. I don't know why I thought it was okay. No alarms. No surprises, please. Silence. Th- silence. Thank you to everyone who listens to the show. No, you know what? Thank you to anyone who listens to the show. Most of all to you, the customer. <laughs> yeah. May you get your money's worth. <laughs> um, do you want to do this follow up down here? Should we? Should we do this follow up? Some of this is offline. Some of this is new. This is news. No, these I want to do the, both of these two items. Should do the, the second one the first. Uh, your yeah, choice. Do the second one first. Okay. okay. So y- we had uh, toward the top of last week's episode, episode seventy five of the uh, Reconcilable Differences podcast. Uh, we wondered aloud. We found ourselves wondering because <laughs> the show is apparently just about other podcasts. More on that mm-hmm. in a minute. We were uh, wondering aloud how it is that uh, John Roderick records the podcast that he does with Ken Jennings called Omnibus. And I said, I thought they probably went to a fancy studio with their big fancy podcast company and recorded in a gentleman's studio. You had a different idea. It wasn't based just an on idea. Instagram, it was an idea based Instagram on evidence. evidence. Yeah, that I had seen based on scenes factors. from the recording. And okay. I thought to myself, huh, huh, I would not have guessed that that's how it was done. That's how. It, so maybe I. You're saying maybe Merlin's grandfathered in to to, to Merlin takes care of all the work. In this mm-hmm. case, John Roderick. Is it possible even that he is doing some kind of recording at his house? I said I postulated that if that were the case and they're recording, they probably sent a kid, like an engineer kid, probably a millennium, to go out and do the recording for them. Was was my was my conjecture? And I, I did some I did some investigation, as you say. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, you. 100% got this one right. I 100% got it wrong. And I'm covered with shame. So you know what happens? I told you this at the end of the last one. But here's what happens. I asked John about this. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is Omnibus, which is available on the, what is it called? Uh, Working Things Out Network. How, <laughs> how Things Happen Network. Local um, Minimum of Fun Network. <laughs> everybody thinks they're on Maximum Fun, but they're not. Is it How <laughs> Stuff right. Works? Is it called How Stuff Works? Uh, All I know is it's big tested. podcast money. How okay. stuff works. Did you watch the uh, Did you watch the the Gimlet TV show? No, no, I did not. Oh my! Oh, Delilah! <sighs> wow. Okay, I'm gonna put a fork in that. Here's what I said. It says to John Roderick. I says now. Here's the question. John 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 Sirkusa wants to know how is it that you record your show and you know what they do? I'll tell you what they do. You are exactly right. They sit at a table. They plug in microphones. John. Roderick, John, Morgan Roderick, Morgan Rides Free, he records <laughs> that podcast himself 
and then I guess provides the tracks to the people who do the editing. I, I didn't ask if he does the editing. I couldn't even take an answer to that. Um, but you're right. And they record two at a time. There you go. For about like an hour, hour and 20 minutes each. That means they're recording. I mean, and they release, I believe, twice that's, a that's week. A full, that's a full day for John. Oh, you he kidding wakes me? Up, you know, starts his schedule. You know, gets going around 10, 30, 11. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they do one. Uh, and have have a nice lunch, and then do another one, and then Ken goes home. <laughs> no, there can't be a meal break. It's got to be straight through. It's got to be straight through. Yeah, he'd be making after, mouth noises. Yeah. Then after that, it's the it's the big. Uh, they probably go out for a meal. steak. Yeah. I don't think they're going out anywhere. I think John's you know pouring some uh, ground beef over some noodles and covering it with cheese. <laughs> just going to town. So he, yeah, I wonder if Ken knows that a lot of the meat in John's freezer <laughs> was on the verge of going bad. <laughs> No, Ken is not eating it with, there with him. If oh, Ken is eating in John's house, he brings like a beef jerky. No, he he go, he leaves. He he stops off at, at Starbucks on the way out and gets a scone. Oh, I see. Yeah, then goes home and has has a uh, makes dinner for his perfect family. How he maintains that that girlish figure of his. Mm-hmm. Do we even want to mention the other part? The prophecy. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, <laughs> percent. I had forgotten that we talked about the fact. I had actually kind of forgotten that we had talked on our previous episode that I thought I says on our show, you and me, that I thought I could be friends with Ken Jennings, and you balked. I didn't balk. I said you wish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, because it just it wouldn't work out. No, well, I mean that was, and then I then I caught myself and I said, well, actually, no, it's the other way around. That you you probably would be friends with, uh, or I would Ken think Jennings. I was friends with him. I yeah, think but was either your case. way, like that's your your perception is your reality, and so as far as you're concerned, everything would work out. Huh? You think I do that a lot? Oh, I I can't couldn't tell you how close your perception is to the reality. All I'm saying is that I have confidence that your perception w- would be that it's a positive. Experience. That tells me you think we're not really friends. Which is which is really which is hurtful no, to why, me why because of how what? much I give of myself. You are so difficult to be friends with. I talk I talked to Casey about this. Now we got a whole support group to talk about this. How difficult it is to be your friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. do you know do you know how hard it is? I please tell me. I I try to please you. I try to prepare. Sometimes I cram. I learn things. <laughs> you don't right? cram so much anymore. I cram. I'm a crammer. I cram. <laughs> you don't bring me crammers <laughs> anymore. <laughs> anymore. Um, so anyway, there was a thread and I hopped in as I do sometimes and uh, I forget how it started, but I said something like, uh, I, I addressed John Roderick uh, and, and Ken Jennings was in the thread. I said, John, please tell John, uh, please tell Ken Jennings. I'd like to be friends with him. And, uh, and Ken Jennings said to John Roderick, please to John, please tell Mer- Merlin that we are friends now. So now I, he, we're internet friends, just internet friends. Yeah, I mean, so that's that's part of the the network effect of the difference between between being one degree separated and two degrees separated, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, John. John knows Ken. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you tweet at John, chances are good that a John will read it and b that John will consider replying. Because Possibly, you've yeah. Po- done a podcast with him for eight hundred years. Yes, right? good friends, known him for even longer, right? Mm-hmm. Ken Jennings had no interaction with other than listening to his podcast, mm-hmm. but John knows Ken, right? My do- apparently, so, I, I found out my daughter was very impressed. I just found out my daughter reads his books, and I didn't know he had books. Oh, he has books. He, he has books, the, and my daughter enjoys them. She she actually said, "Whoa!" Yeah, that's the same way. By the, by the way, that like the, the you know the, the degrees of separation. You hop in a thread that uh, that includes anybody one degree separated. Chances are good. Uh, and then you have notoriety yourself. Chances are good that you will be included in that thread. Now, just go look at look at those threads and look at all the at replies or the at mentions from people who are not one degree separated and how they are just utterly ignored. 
Oh, line right? Because mm. everybody wants to tell John whatever or, you know, tell Amy Mann whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but you had you had an entree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the entree doesn't mean that you're going to get a reply, but the entree means that the person was gonna, is going to look at your thing and they're going to look at your thing and say, oh, Merlin, man, I they'll know give, him. They'll give it consideration. He's he's cool guy. He's fun. He's funny. Maybe I've heard him on some podcasts. I'm going to reply. Okay. Okay. And there you go. And that, I said the prophecy is filled because you, you said, you know what? I could be friends with him. And you could be. And you did. As and I could have forgotten. That's the best part. As, now, here's the thing. All right. So yes. that's what happens on Twitter. Everyone sees, okay, ha, ah, yes, uh, Merlin's in this circle of, of people, uh, uh-huh. you know, yeah. uh-huh. uh, Joko Cruz, famous people. Um, and they're all hanging out. And then, look, they made new friends. They made new connections. Isn't that nice? Right. Now, you tell me uh, if I'm misunderstanding this, but that there was another behind you know you did slide into dms and hang out on a more personal level or did that not happen no i'm not at that i'm not ready for that no i thought that had already happened and that that was that was the public face of it but the private oh, face of it was like hey include, what's up man sometimes roderick sends a blast out to 10 people and we all shuck and jive for a while i've, I've mm-hmm. talked to ken there just a little bit there you go that's what i'm saying so that's yeah. the second I think level. jason finn's there you don't want to make a mess well, i don't i don't know who that is yeah he's he's the drummer friend of the guy who gave me iMac. I know. I like that's. I know that, but I'd be on that. I don't know. He's the drummer in the Presidents of the USA. I, I, I know more about Gary than I do, <laughs> <laughs> or, or Gary, as he would say. Yeah, than I do about Jason Finn. <laughs> okay. All right. See, I'm not ready for that yet. I, I'm, I'm a go slow guy. <clears throat> I um. Yeah, the DM thing can really be wearing. Some people love the DM thing. I predicted a long time ago. Like anybody cares. I predicted back when Twitter was still good. The, the thing that, oh my God, I just remembered there's another huge FU we haven't brought in here. Oh my God. Four exclamation points. Um, I predicted that the thing that would end up making Twitter valuable as a property would be the whole Sub Rosa DM universe. Of course, I was dead wrong, but I thought, because it was like, there was a time when DMs were kind of an emerging way of like keeping in touch with people. It was before, I think before they had groups. Hmm. And I was like, haha, that's going to be their secret sauce. Was Do you it think like, it was going to be like an SMS replacement? No, I thought it was going to be like a nice dinner with friends. Like it would be a slightly more, slightly more elevated <laughs> way to keep in touch with somebody remote. And how would it, how were you envisioning that it would avoid all the negative aspects of group uh, SMS. I didn't think it was going to be group. I thought it was going to be one-on-one. This is before groups were introduced, I believe. I don't know. It's just my wild guess. It was in that time when Twitter was still good and everybody's saying, well, okay, Twitter's good, but like, how are they going to make money off of this? What are they going to do? Put up ads? Like, what are they going to do? Like, how is Twitter going to become profitable? And everybody wondered. And I thought that was like pretty low hanging fruit was that like, uh, I don't know, just something that they, more and more people. They would charge for the DM capability? I mean, it was still at the point when they were in the like increasing engagement part that I guess they're still in mm. now. But uh, I was dead wrong about that. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I enjoy it a little bit, but it's another bucket at this point for me. I would much prefer that be in um, messages personally. Yeah. Because like, then it shows, here's the other thing. Like I'm in, I'm, in my, I'm in my thing, I'm doing the thing. And then I see the little envelope has a white dot. And I'm like, ah, like does somebody <laughs> need to talk? Like, what is it? And it's usually Matt Howie, which is great. But like, it's like, sometimes I'm just like, ah, like, ah, God, I got to go deal with this now. That's just because it's, it's infrequent enough that it's, uh, that it's notable when it happens. Whereas, true, 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 true. You know, I don't, I don't, don't get them every day. You don't freak out like that when you see an, uh, a badge on messages on your phone. Don't I? There's always a badge on messages Ugh. on your phone, right? Me? No, 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 no. I, I am at, um, 
Uh, message no, board. I mean, like the new I'm one. A, I'm a message board null. Every day there's like one of them. Is this like your wife texting you to ask you when you're going to be coming home or something? Like there's always something there. Where it's oh, every yeah, but day it's not you red. Don't I don't. It's not badgy. But there's always going to show a badge until you look at it to clear. Do you not have badges visible on messages? I do. It's one of the few places I do that because it actually is meaningful. Yeah, because you want to know if your wife, you, know, you didn't feel the vibration you in your pocket. You want to feel the and, responsibility you know. to let them know it was delivered because then they're going to think I'm ghosting have, them. You have that red means. receipts on? Well, they, I don't know, but they might. I mean, like, you, you don't see have the, like, is it delivered? On. Is I, it del- I message with you. You don't have them on. Well, but the thing where it says, was it delivered? Like, I don't want people to think that I'm ignoring them. Mm. Like, mm. I don't know how this works. I still yeah. mostly capital. Have you noticed I've, I've eased off on the periods? I can't tell what anybody's doing because autocorrect is a force of nature that is just destroying. It it's is like hard a, on a, you a in particular. That's that's sweeping through all of my messages. My outgoing, incoming, I forgive yes. almost anything now because I understand. I'm like, I understand you are not this dumb. It is just autocorrect that is making you look dumb. The capitalization is not getting better either. Oh, just, I, I feel like I'm trapped with random words are capitalized in the middle of my sentences. I don't know why. You sound, the only you one I know like why is Mario, where it's, where it's all caps because the stupid game is all caps. Uh, oh, you know yeah, about yeah, that yeah, one? yeah. That is weird when it does that. Uh, and sp- speaking of messages, I'm having I had a bad, like, two weeks of misdirected messages. You were one of them. You sent me a misdirected message. My wife sent me a couple misdirected messages. You mean a wrong like, window type situation? Yeah, what is going on? It's just like that people fire up their, you know, uh, unlock their phone and they see no, a screen no, with no, bubbles no, no, and they no, just no, start only, typing? Only a problem on the Mac. Not a problem in the single window environment of iOS. It only, oh, so it's only multiple, a problem on the Mac. Well, so my wife sent uh, misdirected to me from the phone, I'm almost 100% sure. And I think it's just that people unlock, see a bunch of bubbles, and just start typing and realize <laughs> you got a message late. that said, you're welcome. I think this is the easiest way to get it for you or something like that. Oh, yeah. Well, the best part is that Preceding that was a message that also could very well have been misdirected. It was hard to tell because mm. I'm always trying to puzzle especially out the context. Me. And Yeah, exactly. And it was <laughs> especially confusing, followed by a second message that actually wasn't meant to me that I was trying to connect to the first <laughs> message. Very confusing. Oh, God. Yes, yes, yes. So I had said... <laughs> I said, this is a fun, I was listening to the episode, preparing notes. I said, this is a fun episode so far. The pronunciation and accent stuff is good. I said, remind me to tell you a recent terrible anecdote about me and accent identification, followed by, you're so welcome. This seems like a good way to get it for you. That must have been really perplexing. It was. Although, I, I speaking, you just, I had a reminder in my reminders, literally, about that thing. So here we are. Mm-hmm. We're together, and uh, now I'm reminding you to tell me your uh, amusing anecdote. I don't know if it's that funny. My daughter and I were in a lift, and uh, over the you're, summer, uh, I was like, "You're in an elevator." What? Hello, Governor. Shine your boots, then. You were, you were in a lift with. Uh, I was in a lift with, with uh, my torch. With with that little girl from Yorkshire and the uh, the person with the cute going, dog from the reality TV show. I was going out the hospital uh, with my, with my Lori. Who's the person from the reality show with the cute dog? Cute dog. Oh, on Project Runway. Is that who you met? What Swatch? What you, are you met talking about? someone from a reality show. You and your daughter met someone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We met Helen, Helen Castillo from uh, Runway, and we met Swatch the dog in a lift, right? Near a lift. That's we have a very good memory. And you know mm-hmm. what's sad? You know what's sad? Because of all the stuff with that famous Hollywood producer, we may never have another Project Runway. The final episode of Project Runway did not have a Swatch appearance in it, and I'm heartbroken. Now we'll never mm. know if he's alive. <laughs> it was very upsetting because usually you go, oh my God, I hope Swatch is still alive. And they show him sleeping. And you go, hey, Swatch is still alive. Swatch is a very old dog. We were in a lift, or as you say in the States, an elevator. We were in a car. Uh, I picked her up from camp in a lift. 
And this guy, this very, very, very animated guy, this is not a funny story. It just to show you, I am so arrogant about my accent detection. And we've been talking for a while, and this guy was very animated, and he was really going at it. And, you know, and he's a nice enough guy. He's talking about his skateboarding. He's like a competitive, it's not exactly skateboarding. It's some higher class thing where you fly down a hill. It's like skiing, but on a skateboard. And he's very animated yep. about it. And, uh, and I said, very sage-like, I said, um, don't tell me. Let me try and guess where you're from, right? And I do my cold reading. And I start up by going like, well, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure it's not Hungary. I can hear your daughter shrinking into the seat oh, already. She hates, she hates when I talk to people. It's the worst. Mm-hmm. I, don't know, I don't know why you do that. I say it's not Hungary, and I don't think it's a – it's not a Baltic state, but I want to say <laughs> somewhere like a Soviet – is it like a like a Romania? Could it be a Lithuania? He goes, I am from Brazil. <laughs> so close. <laughs> so close. <laughs> Missed it by that much. He's from Brazil. I was say, I'm from New Jersey, you insensitive clod. <laughs> Everything's legal in New Jersey. So, you know, uh, I got that really wrong. So apparently, I think people with uh, Portuguese accents sound like they're from Eastern Europe. Not a bright mark on my accent record. Mm. Nope. So now you can imagine how my daughter felt that, after that. That's that's Speaking of that, that's a lot of the feedback I got about the accent stuff. Is people were like, I can't believe you can't tell the difference between these accents. And I think... Upon reflection, it's more accurate to say that like you or like people who don't have perfect pitch, in contrast to another accent, I can bin them. But in isolation, like, you know, right. ma- make, make a middle C. Oh, is that, no yeah, is that Australian around, or New Zealand? Like, fast. Like, tell me. Like, you right. can't. If I see if I have an Australian and New Zealand next to each other, I can separate them for sure. Well, I can, t- I can tell you, I can often tell you that an interval is a five interval, but I couldn't tell you that it's a D d5 you know what i mean like i i, yeah. it, I can't t- take it out of context yeah so i need i need a lot of context to make that to be able to separate them and identify them and in fact i would probably need like in those things where you draw the lines from column a to column b to match them i would need equal numbers of them on both sides otherwise i would misalign so that person from brazil yeah i probably would have been just as bad as you but if given multiple choice with a guy from brazil and hungary and I saw the choices were Brazil and Hungary. I could draw the lines to the right things. <laughs> I made it worse, though. Like I always do. I made it worse. Mm-hmm. I totally did the, the thing where, where I did the file card. I was like, oh, Brazil. And I turned. Pele, right? <laughs> you know, the black fellow. <laughs> and I turned to my daughter and said, oh, honey, Brazil. We love Brazilian steak. What's it say on the little sign? <laughs> Obrigado? Is that, is that a word? Is that Portuguese? And she's like, just like sitting. Your daughter we're not, we're not even halfway to the house. Sing, she's a singularity. Sinking. She's a tiny, tiny black hole. So bad. Oh, my God. I embarrass her so much on so many fronts. I wore my pants with holes in it today to drop her off at school. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was so bad. I think I really need to retire them. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Linode. You can learn more about Linode right now by going to linode.com slash diffs. With Linode, you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at $5 a month. And you'll be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Linode has hundreds of thousands of customers who are all serviced by their friendly 24 by 7 support staff. You can email them, call them, you can even chat over IRC in the Linode community. 
They know how important it is to get the help that you need. And they also have a suite of amazing guides and support documentation to give you a reference when you need it. Linode's intuitive control panel will allow you to deploy, boot, resize, snapshot, and clone your virtual servers in just a few clicks. And they feature two-factor authentication to keep you safe. And right now, Linode Off also offers additional storage. Block storage is now out of beta and is available in Fremont and Newark. And Linode plans to expand their block storage to all data centers by June. Linode is great for tasks like hosting large databases, running a mail server, operating a VPN, running Docker containers, hosting a private Git server, and so much more. Oh, and you know what? Linode are hiring right now. If that interests you, head on over to linode.com slash careers. Linode has fantastic pricing options available. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for only $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. As a listener of this program, if you sign up at linode.com slash diffs, you'll not only be supporting our program, you'll also get $20 toward any Linode plan. On the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that's four free months, golly gee. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there is nothing to lose. So please go to linode.com slash diffs, that's D-I-F-F-S, to learn more. You go, you sign up, take advantage of that $20 credit, or use the promo code D-I-F-F-S-2018, DIS2008, all one word, at checkout. Our thanks to Linode for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Yeah, I, I just wonder how much of what my daughter does with respect to being embarrassed by me is performance art for her own sake. Like, very often when I'm dropping her off somewhere, mm-hmm. not only does she not want me to get out of the car, but now she wants me to drop her off some distance away. She also explicitly asked me, uh, I think last time I dropped her off somewhere, where the the sound, the radio in the car was playing, it was playing off my uh, iPod or whatever, playing my music. Before she opened the door to the car to get out, she asked me to turn off my music. Just in case that when she opened the door, someone could have been in the vicinity of the car and heard my music emanating from the car that she's getting out of. She asked me to turn off the music. No, she asked to leave in silence. I, I, when we, I, something very exciting happened this week where somebody's podcast I like a lot mentioned a show that I do and it made me really excited. And I wanted to play it for her because it's a podcast that she likes too. And she's like, no, 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 please don't, please don't, please don't. Like we were like two blocks from school and she was she, just the idea of like playing a sound on my phone in public is, is she just, no, please. Yeah, you aren't even in a car. There's no, not even in the walls of the car to protect you. Just I know what you mean about the performance thing. I, <clears throat> I, I find some consolation hmm, slash, you know, excuse in something I try to think all the time, which is like they every so much of what every kid is experiencing is something they're experiencing for the first time, second time, third time. And they're constantly working through new stuff. And the phrase I like to use sometimes when I talk to my lady friend is let's just try to remember um, on the one hand, everybody has bad days, but also everybody's always trying something out. A little kid is always trying something out and they're testing things, maybe not testing boundaries, but like you know, maybe they're going to talk in an English accent for a while just because that's a thing they want to do, <laughs> right? But they're just going to, they're going to try stuff out. And maybe, I don't know if this is true with your daughter because it sounds like you're going through a bit of a, bit of a patch with her. <laughs> but, but like, you know, I always just try to say to myself, she's, she's trying some things out. She's making, she's walking further and further in concentric circles from where my wife and I are standing. And that's a totally normal thing to do. And there's going to be lots more of that to come. So, you know, just the fact that at this point, it's like, don't walk me all the way up to the door. Like, that's okay. I understand that. I thought my parents were dorks, too. She's yeah, trying I, things out. Is it possible, John, that your daughter is just trying things out? Oh, oh yeah. No, I don't, I'm like, the, the reason I mentioned the performance part of it is because there is no one around. Like, it's not like her friends are all gathered on the curb. 
there's like there's you if you look around with your eyeballs you can say there's no other human here and yet still with no other human in sight before she will open the door to the car to go can you turn off the radio dad before she'll open the door and that's why i think it's like she knows there's nobody around maybe that's maybe no, that like part's not about hiding. maybe that's not about other people though maybe that's about her trying out some independence clothes yeah i don't know I, like i don't I, the thing is I'm, I don't think she knows enough about my music to know what to be embarrassed about, right? Like, she's not really super into music and does not have any real professed musical tastes or... Uh, it's more about asserting independence and less about being specifically embarrassed. Although I think anybody would have been embarrassed with you with the, with the Brazilian accent, adult child, your child, uh, either way. That's you know, you, you miss every shot you don't take. I know, I know. You gotta get to go for it. Well, or you can just uh, never talk to people. It's the other option. Anyway, she was impressed about Ken Jennings, so that's cool. Oh, is that the podcast you're talking about? That no, it, no, that no. She... It was it was uh, the McElroy thing. Huh. Um, the, the, they they acknowledge ripping off you. Uh, you look nice today. We had give one you the thing... credit you deserve. <clears throat> and we're back. We had one thing um, last week. That lots of people have been remarking about. Should we talk about this? Uh, yes, you have four exclamation points. You better talk about it. One, two, one, two, three, four exclamation points. Last week, uh, we ended up talking about someone independently, but we talked about Instagram. We talked about Facebook. And the place we kind of left it last week is I was asking you um, when, whether you would know that you were done with Twitter in particular, like for, for social media stuff, you kind of still do like, like, will you know when it's time to walk away? And as much as you could guess, what would it take for you to know it's time to walk away? And what was your response to that? I think it was mostly that, uh, despite having just discussed Facebook and all their creepy data stuff, that it wouldn't be the creepy data stuff that would send me away. Instead, it would be like the user experience of the of the application or whatever. Well, one thing, I'm forced well, to one use, thing you said was maybe a change in your life, right? It could just be some. It could be something that was not that was like irrespective of Twitter. It could be something where there was just a big change in your life and there wasn't a place for it anymore. But then, yeah, you had a very specific example about what might put you off. Yeah, like the, if the if the application if I couldn't use a third party application and the first party one just made it like impossible for me to to use the service the way I wanted to use it. Breaking news: something like, of course, that one was recorded weeks ago, but something like what two three days, maybe less after that episode came out. Uh, tell our listeners about Twitter's announcement and what it means. So actually, this is just another occurrence in a long series of events that have been happening ever since Isn't Twitter decided that... Isn't it kind of just another warning shot? That, it's like just a, uh, another warning shot, right? It's, I don't think... See, from the outside, we like to think that what Twitter is doing is like this sort of slow-motion movie-style plot of, uh, you know, like I said, like a warning shot or like trying to scare people away or disincentivize things, right? And maybe it kind of sort of is, but it always I, I'm always much more willing to attribute it to incompetence. Like that they don't they don't really have a plan. It's more or understand like, rather than what a plan they're that doing. they're hewing to that has steps, it's more like the, because of the lack of a plan, they end up kind of repeating some steps. Oh yeah, doing making the same mistake. And to to be clear, what we're talking about is uh in the beginning, Twitter was all about uh third party clients that you could use to use the service and uh there was a symbiosis many of us, many between. Of us love those and have wild. I, for one, have wildly speculated that you would have not gotten 
as far as Twitter got, especially with a lot of the techier, nerdier, pickier people, if there hadn't been great third-party apps. It just would not yeah. have caught on. Otherwise, and it was just actually, the web. It was the SMS or the web was how you could use it. Yeah, and, and I actually, I don't find that particular aspect of the evolution of Twitter compelling as an argument to convince them why they should do a thing, but it is a thing that happened. Like, basically saying, if it weren't for third-party Twitter clients and the community that used them, Twitter wouldn't have become what it is today. That's 100% true, but mm-hmm. if you were to say that to Twitter, it's like, okay, fine, but third-party clients don't uh, didn't found Twitter, aren't shareholders in Twitter, and have no say in Twitter, and it's like, gee, thanks for the free labor, and in exchange, you've got a bunch of people to buy your apps, now you have no more say, right? Right, it's um, not like the Beatles are still writing checks to Tony Sheridan. Like, something happened a long time ago, this was very useful, but now we're doing a different thing. Yeah, better. no, we, we, we did work together on this, but guess what? Uh, we were Twitter, and you were not. <laughs> right yeah, yeah. Uh, and so thanks for all the great apps but then at a certain point there seemed to be a decision that said we would like it we don't really like that people read twitter through third-party clients because that gives us less control so what they didn't say was therefore no more third-party clients they didn't say that instead they said let's do things that kind of sort of disincentivizes the uh, the ongoing creation and maintenance of third-party clients, which in some ways is better than mm-hmm. saying, okay, no more third-party clients. But in some ways is worse because third-party clients are left in a kind of limbo. Like the, one of the very first things they did was said, if you want to make a third-party client, you're only allowed to sell X number of copies and we'll grandfather in a bunch of the existing uh, clients and give them like tokens, essentially. It says when you run out of these tokens, you can't sell any more clients. So they put a cap on the maximum number of uh, Twitter clients that could be sold. And the cap was high for a bunch of people who grandfathered in, but for new clients is low. And they also, they, they, they had some gradual changes over time to sort of usage restrictions. But even to this day, I don't, I don't think, you don't have to show ads, for example, in a third party. Yeah, that's party. One, one thing they didn't do was say third party clients were going to dictate to you that you have to show ads. They did dictate to third party clients that they had to show tweets in a particular way. Do you remember that? That was another thing they did in yeah, the I'm past. Yeah, I'm trying to remember this what the changes were. I me- remember they necessitated some quick movement from the people who make the third party apps, but it was more things about a consistency of experience on a per tweet basis, right? You couldn't you couldn't leave out some features because you just chose to. And it seemed, that seems actually to me more onerous than saying you must display ads because it was like when you display a tweet, it has to be within these fairly strict parameters. If we're dictating the user interface of your client application, you may think you have a cool way to lay out tweets, but guess what? No, mm-hmm. you have to lay them out this way. You have to put this, you have to show that, this has to be here, this has to be there. There is some wiggle room for colors and fonts and styles and sizes, but in general, they were very and rigid you, about And if it, you fly is, in the face of that, you risk your app the people paid for suddenly yeah. just become useless. Right. Um, you got to do it. So, there was a series of events like this over many, many years, starting with the whole big, I don't know what the word for it is, but the whole big apocalypse, which is like uh, the the very clear signal, like, we don't want you, please stop making third-party Twitter clients. Stop mm-hmm. it. And we're not brave enough or dumb enough or smart enough, depending on how you view it, to cut off all third-party clients immediately. We're going to recognize the longstanding existing third-party clients and give them lots of these little tokens and say, you have hundreds of thousands of ones, so if you can sell all of them, fine. But there is a limit. And new people have a much lower limit and just just stop doing that. And over the years, they keep doing things to the Twitter API, like, for instance, rolling out new features, but not providing APIs to third parties for them. Hey, there's a new feature for bookmarks, or I think that actually might be a third party one, or, uh, you know, multiple images or direct messages or all sorts of things at various times. I might have uh, named ones that have been simultaneous, but new features that would come either first to 
the first party clients or only to the first party clients or right. on a big time delay. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's been a constant series of uh, insults. I don't know, like a, a, a constant series of signals. Uh, like it's been difficult for third party clients because they have uh, even like the longer tweets for a long time weren't, uh, wasn't a thing that third party, at least my third party client didn't have. And uh, like third party clients in general will keep up with the features if they're made available to them. But Twitter does not prioritize that. Um, and so the latest in the series was they were going to cut off access to like yet another one of the APIs uh, that third party clients have used and say you can't do uh, streaming anymore and you can't get timely notifications for things. So if you're used to uh, sending direct messages to people and having them go back and forth in a reasonably timely manner, if you're used to getting notifi- push notifications on your phone, mm-hmm. if you have that set up for notifications, you can forget about that. Instead, the only thing that is available to you is good old fashioned polling where you launch the application and it checks every once in a while. Are there any new tweets for me? Are there right. any new messages for me or whatever, which is much less efficient and much less timely. And the DMs thing, speaking of those, is even worse because DMs, you have an expectation. If it's a bunch of little bubbles. It looks like SMS. Someone sends you a message, you reply. You have an expectation that like if they reply back, you're going to see their reply more or less when they sent it within, you know, a couple seconds or whatever. But if it's a three minute wait, mm-hmm. like if they send it, but you don't see it until three to five minutes later, that kills DM. Like, yeah. you know, speak, they'll, they'll think you're ignoring them, right? And as far as you're concerned, you just saw their message, right? And then you immediately reply. Maybe it takes a while to go back to them. And it, and they would say, like, is this, is this how it's supposed to work? Is this a bug? And it's like, oh, we're not really prioritizing features that, that focus on third-party Twitter clients. We really want you, you know, because they do want third-party clients, but they want them to be at, like, analytics or, like, engagement stuff and like not just a client that a person would use but other applications and, and twitter wants to control the first party clients meanwhile twitter's first party clients have been rotting on the vine their first party ios client is very annoying to someone who's used to a third party client they ditch their first party mac client after buying a really great mac client and then not developing it for many years and they just canned it and said just mac users just use the website don't don't even bother uh so it's been a frustrating experience for people who like using Twitter through third-party clients to constantly see those third-party clients treated as second- or third-class citizens, but still never actually canceled. So they're, like, stringing us along enough to keep us from just, like, being angry and quitting, but not enough for us to feel like, you know, we, we know the experience could be better if they treated the applications better, but they don't. And at the same time, they, they're not improving their first-party applications and then just outright canceling some of their first-party applications. So... Yeah, that's been going on for years. There was another one of those that happened recently. The website that was put up uh, by some a friend of ours who make Twitterific, which is my favorite Twitter client. It was called Apps of a Feather. Is that what it's called? Apps of Sort of like a, um, I was going to say cartel, but that's not what I mean. But more like a, a collection of people who make independent apps to sort of like marshal their resources together to try and keep this stuff alive. It's like four, it's like four apps. It's Tweetbot, Twitterific, and a couple others I didn't recognize. Apps of a feather with hyphens between the words dot com. Uh, and this was put up and it explained the situation. And like I said, this is not a unique situation. This is another and a long series of things very much like this that have happened. And each time that it has happened, people have complained about it. And Twitter has done something to deal with those complaints. And the same thing this time that uh, you can look at the site and see what they're complaining about. Twitter responded within a day of this site coming up to say, okay, I know we said we were going to ditch that API for third parties on such and such a date, but now we're not going to do it on that date. And then they said, and then they said, uh, and when we do do it, we promise we'll give you 90 days notice. And I'm like, okay, how? Okay. I mean, yeah, 
that's a way to handle the PR thing, but it's like, so, but are you still going to cancel it? But just later when people have calmed down or are you going to... But it gives enough to... of a chill, enough of a FUD to like maybe think maybe I shouldn't put, plow too many resources into improving this. Yeah, like it, they didn't say, uh, they didn't uh, turn, you know, reverse direction and say, and in fact, we're going to make sure that all third party clients have access to all the same APIs as first parties. And we're going to figure out a way to monetize them and, and make them show ads or have a subscription. So this is something a couple of people are asking me, like uh, the, the people who love to identify with corporations. Why, as a, as a for-profit corporation, would I allow third party clients? I don't make any money from those people. It's like, why don't you make money from those people? The The people who use third-party Twitter clients are the most engaged Twitter users. They're easiest, easier to monetize than the general population. If you want to make money from third-party clients, it's way easier than figuring out a way to make money from all the people who use the first-party client. You could show ads on third-party clients, mm-hmm. right? They could have done that years ago, but they don't for whatever reason. They'll tell them how to format their, their things, but they won't show ads. You can charge those people money on a subscription basis to not see the ads that you would otherwise have to see. Why would anyone pay? No one's going to pay money for Twitter. You know who will pay money for Twitter? People who have already paid money for Twitter by buying Twitter clients. Those people are ready and willing to pay you money. You pay $3.99 for an app or, like, gosh, in some cases much more, but it's like, you know, well, they're, I believe if you go and look at your number, numbers, you'll see there are people who will pay for this experience. Like, it's not zero money. And they're and they're the most engaged. They're the most like they probably see they the care. most tweets. Well, they, they reply <laughs> to the most tweets. They're reading right. Twitter a lot. They are they they care enough about Twitter to buy Twitter applications. Nobody buys Twitter clients. They use the free one. They use the website. Why would you pay money for a Twitter client? Because it's such an important part of their computing life that they're willing to pay money for an iOS application, right? right. Yeah. And so the people saying uh, Twitter doesn't make any money for people who use third party clients. Why not? Whose fault Why is not? that? Like this, it, that's uh, right. Exactly. It's it's totally not third party Twitter developers' fault. They're making money from these people because they know like there's money to be made from them. That's you know such a vanishingly small percentage of Twitter's users use this. Not the other one. It's like well, it's such a small percentage. Who cares? But I think they are <laughs> disproportionately influential on Twitter just because they're the old. You know, they're the most engaged people, and they're probably longtime Twitter users. Um, I don't know. It's it's a frustrating situation, and it's mostly frustrating because it's in the, like their response, like, "Oh, okay, we won't cancel on that date, and if we, when we do cancel, we promise to give you ninety days notice." Great. Well, so should I just sit here in fear that any day is going to be my ninety days notice, and then we're back in the exact same situation? We want Twitter to say, "Is oh, sorry, we'll actually provide APIs to third party clients," or say, "No more third party clients of any time," because then we'll uh, any kind, because then mm-hmm. we'll at least say, "Okay, fine. At least that's a clear signal." You yeah. don't want to deal with this anymore. Fine. Instead, they string it along, but make sure that the experience is just annoying enough to be a constant source of irritation to the developers and users. Without aggressively causing that whole thing to just go away. Yeah, like they won't they won't actually come out and say, stop right. making these applications. They'll with every action they will say subtext, stop making third-party Twitter applications. But with their voice, they'll say, we value our third-party developers and blah, 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 blah. It's like, ah, we wish you would make applications that are about analysts. It's like, but we're not. We're making this. So are we allowed to? If we're allowed to, let us do it. If we're not allowed to, then don't let Like, just, oh, so well, frustrating. I, I want to I get to um, whether or the extent to which this answers the question we asked last week. But um, I asked this purely just out of information, out of curiosity. Uh, another, uh, service that you use and like is, as we talked about last week, Instagram. Now, are there any third party apps for Instagram? There used to be, uh, because Instagram, speaking of, of companies that are just 
make inexplicable decisions. I mean, I guess they're explicable, but decisions that I don't, I don't agree with their any uh, reasoning for. Instagram, an application for viewing photos, does not and has never made an iPad application. So you have the blown up version. Maybe on a thing with the big screen, you could see pictures on a. Uh, it's about viewing pictures now. In the early days, oh, they can't do that because the pictures are so low res because they were made for the original iPhone. That if you saw them on on the big screen, they would be ugly. So bad and my experience. answer to that is so make the pictures higher res, which they have done. This is a solvable problem, right? But Instagram does not care enough about the iPad to ever make an iPad app. Still, to this day, no iPad app. Now, back in the day when there was an API for Instagram, third parties made iPad Instagram apps. And, it, you know, it boggles my mind that Instagram was like, hmm, people are making and selling iPad applications for viewing Instagram using our API. Sure seems like there's some kind of market there. You know what we should do? Hmm. We should cut off the API so they ah, can't that's do good. that anymore. That's good. <laughs> And that's what they did. They cut off the API, and so now we are back to the situation where there are no third-party Instagram clients. You can go to the Instagram website, which is not a way to view to, to browse Instagram. Uh, so on my iPad, on my Retina iPad uh, 9.7 inch, yeah, I run the iPhone app up to 2x. Pretty, because it's the only way I can view Instagram on my iPad. I ask you this um, because you know, like to say, if you're not sure, you know. <laughs> What is it they say? If you're not sure what the product is, the product is you. Something along those lines. Like, you know, uh, in the case of Facebook, you're the product. Everybody kind of gets that at this point. Um, the other the other person, the other audience they have to serve that is not just the users are the investors. And this is just maybe some bad blood that I have with biz dev people from the past. But I feel like I do remember I've had interactions with marketing and biz dev people that were along the lines of like that too, that feature is too good to give away. Or like you have to do something to be hostile toward the people who aren't paying something. Or you, you know what I mean? There's this, there's this sense of like, don't make this thing too good. Like you have to have like, Oh, you got to pay to remove ads on this forum or whatever it is. And I just wonder like the kind of people who come in and are tapping their foot going like, Hey, Twitter, where's my money? I wonder if some of those people, while they're waiting to find out where their money is, look at Instagram and go, Hmm, Instagram makes everybody use their app. Why are we not making everybody use our app? Why are we not, I mean, because they can go look at the, the, like you say, I mean, if you excluding the uh, influencer numbers, and I'm not sure how valuable those are to those particular folks, it seems like you could probably look at those numbers and go like over 90%, over 95% use the app. Like why are any, why are we wasting any resources, bleeding resources to allow anybody to not be using our app? Look at what's happening with podcasts. This is a whole separate episode, but look what's happening with podcasts. Where the growth amongst, amongst all these carpetbaggers is to go and create some kind of an app that ruins what made podcasts good because the new people who are coming to that, the growth in this market is going to be with people who won't care that they have to get an app. And in this case, I guess I'm just throwing it out as a thought experiment. Is it possible that they are, this is a nod toward an investor who does not want to see another nickel of their money spent on anything that is not about growing and growing towards making this app the only way you can use it because that's what instagram does i don't understand how you could make a coherent pitch to someone who wants to see a return on their venture capital investment in twitter that the right thing to do is not to cancel third-party applications not to try to monetize them but to annoy the users of them and the developers of them in a way that brings us no additional money but makes them eternally disgruntled our Mm -hmm. most engaged and most loyal 
uh, users, even though they're a tiny minority. Because I can see the argument saying, cut them off. They're they're 1% of our user base. It's a waste of time and money to be worrying about them. Cut them off, right? Mm-hmm. I can make that argument. And I can make the what I think is the better argument, which is monetize them. Make money from them. They are your whales. They will pay money. They will. You can show them ads. They will see lots of ads because they are very engaged with Twitter. Do both of those things. Show them ads. And if they wanted to have the ads off, charge them lots of money. Either one, you could. They are the easiest portion of your user base to monetize. I, I have a bunch. I have a bunch of apps that are pretty good professional apps that have multiple levels of this. That where they, I'm not saying like you necessarily. I don't know how you do this and get around Apple without giving Apple thirty percent. But there are a lot of apps I have that are like. There's a whole range of ways that you can pay a little money to get something. What there are certain kinds of content things that are where it's obvious. Like if you want all of these like sleep or self-hypnosis audio files, you can buy this set. But there are other ones that are just like basic, you know, underscore David Smith type apps that are like, well, this much removes ads. This much gives you these features. There might be two or three levels that they figured out on a smaller scale how to deal with that. It seems it seems like it seems like there's a way that you could say you could have you don't you could you certainly could have the Rain Man suite where for fifty dollars a year you get all these things. Or hundred fine, hundred dollars a year you get all of the things. But there could be one as simple as for like what uh, $3 a month, you don't see ads or whatever it is. Like, it seems well, like they do the math. They know how much ind- individual users work to them ad revenue wise, and they can adjust the price and charge 2x what they're worth in ad I just, revenue. I find it hard to believe that they make enough off of ads to not see that offset. Yeah. And, but like right now, nobody who uses a third party client sees ads. Nobody. Right. Yeah. And why? Not because right. third party developers are doing some super evil thing. Third party developers can't even decide how to lay out a tweet. Twitter dictates everything about what how they do their you know if Twitter decides that they that you can only show tweets in the color red guess what every third party client will show tweets in the color red Twitter controls everything about that experience they've got them under their thumb they control how many copies of their application they sell they control whether they can sell the application and yet what do they ask of them they ask them uh, please tolerate the slow removal and degradation of the APIs that you use right. It's like it's like the most right, it's like, it's like the sat- it's saying, like Saturday stop, night slow motion making. Saturday night massacre of joy. Like we're slowly going to reduce the parts of this that that, that you find useful, and then you're just going to get mad at those developers. Yeah, it's like it's like the shipping container gets slightly smaller every time they wake up. That's right. That's what's going on. It's like it just it's so passive aggressive. Just if you don't want them to make third party clients, say no more third party clients. If you do want them to make third party clients, figure out why you want them to and try to make it better. Very frustrating. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Simple Contacts. You can learn more about Simple Contacts right now by going to simplecontacts.com slash diffs. Uh, it's pretty great when an app takes a tiresome task and makes it fuss-free. And Simple Contacts does this by being the easy way to renew your contact lens prescription. You'll be able to reorder your contacts from anywhere in just minutes. All you need to do is complete their online self-guided vision test in less than five minutes from wherever you are right now. No more doctor's offices, no more waiting rooms. You can order your favorite contacts right from their website or app. Simple Contacts offers all the lens brands that you love with options for astigmatism, multifocal lenses, colored lenses, and more. You'll be able to order exactly what you need right from the palm of your hand whenever you want. The vision test is just $20, you know, just for comparison. An appointment without insurance could cost you over $200. Simple Contacts can save you money and time. But we do need to let you know this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. And Simple Contacts will check that the current prescription still helps you see 2020 and renew that prescription. They don't write completely new prescriptions or examine eye health. You need to know that. 
You might think buying contacts is already simple, but it's actually pretty cumbersome. There's U.S. law that means anyone who wears contacts has to get a new prescription written every year, even if your vision hasn't changed for 15 years and you have perfectly healthy eyes, which ends up being really expensive and time-consuming. But Simple Contacts is changing the game. Instead of an annual appointment, appointment costing up to $250 and countless hours, you can take their five-minute vision test online. And as a listener of Reconcilable Differences, you can get $30 off your contact lenses. You just go onto the internet and you head over to simplecontacts.com slash diffs and use the offer code diffs at checkout. That's D-I-F-F-S, simplecontact.com slash diffs, offer code diffs. It'll get you $30 off. Our thanks to Simple Contacts for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Four exclamation points. For well, and then let's get to the question. Like so, uh, I because I think I, you know I don't say this phrase out loud very often, but I think our listeners would actually like to know how the news of the past week or two affects your feelings about Twitter as something you'll continue to participate in. Because people will ask how how much does this affect your well, take it any way you want. How how much does the news of this change affect your your confidence in how long you'll be staying with Twitter? Does it change anything? doesn't change anything for me for a couple of reasons. One, I'm very well sort of, uh, not indoctrinated, but I, I'm very well used to uh, moves like this from Twitter because they've been doing it for years, for years, right? So it's nothing new for me. And in fact, this specific move about streaming and notifications, I use neither one of those features. So practically speaking for me personally, this particular deprecation doesn't affect uh, me. Even, it's, it's, so even, you're, a compl- you're a completionist. You're going to catch up wherever. This is different for people who are like following a big news day. Yeah, I have. I, have all, I don't have any notifications enabled for Twitter whatsoever. I'm very anti-notification on my phone, <laughs> right? So that doesn't none. affect me at all. <laughs> and I don't use streaming. Uh, so these spe- and for DMs, if there was a three to five minute delay, like I barely use Twitter DMs anyway. It would I would be not fine, notice. Right? I would abs- personally. I would not notice. Right. But but that doesn't mean that like I, I'm still angry about it. But what I'm angry about is the years long pattern of absurd behavior, not this specific instance. So this specific incident it's kind is of juvenile. Not, you kind of want to say, like, grow up, like, like make an adult decision about this. If you want to cut right. it off, cut it off. Right. Like I, I, like I said, I can make strong argument for cut it off. I can make a strong argument for how to monetize it. Right. But I can't make a strong argument for let's be passive aggressive for a decade. It doesn't make any sense to me. And, it, and it's part of this, not to jump in, but like it's also part of this bigger thing. And I realize I, I, I have not been associated with people at Twitter. The whole group has changed so much since I was pals with people there. But it seems to be part of this, feels like, as an outsider, okay? It feels like part of this thing of like, Twitter is reluctant to own their platform. It feels like Twitter, there's, there's, there's evidence of things, the things that we notice as users on Twitter, the things that are a thorn in our side as you know, a human being on Twitter, you start to think like, well, like you, you joke about this on ATP or, or in other places, like, hey, this is, you, you could ban Nazis anytime. Like you own the site. You could start charging for various things anytime you own the site. You could have an editorial voice to, dis, to, to say, and this is, again, this is a tentpole of ATP for the last year. It's like, this is your site, Twitter. You own it lock, stock and barrel. And you could at any point, even let's even say arbitrarily, make a decision that says, this is what we are here for. This is what we are not here for. This is very acceptable. This is so not acceptable. And you know what? From now on, the things that are not acceptable, they go away in 24 hours. 
however you want to think about it there's so many ways in which what you see is this like it seems like they've inherited a farm that might have like radioactive material somewhere they're very reluctant to get excited about owning the thing that only they can make changes to and that gives you the fear a little bit because you're like why are why are you not as excited about doing something interesting with what you own as i am Right. This has been a long time cause of mine is like it's troubling to me when I care more about a product than the people who own, run and manage it. And you can feel it. You can just feel it sometimes that there's just like this absence of ownership, absentee landlord kind of feeling to it. But do, do, do you follow what I mean, though? Like with, with, with Twitter, you're constantly one constantly says to oneself, well, like if there was a grown up running this or grown ups running this, you could have a position about this that would let the market make decisions about what you're doing. But instead, it's just a lot of shrug. So in, in UI parlance, it's the tyranny of the defaults, and I guess in social policy, I don't know, I'm going to make up the hegemony of the majority or whatever, like that That uh, by, quote unquote, not making decisions about this, right? You feel like, well, we're mostly taking a hands-off attitude, and right? But, but the thing is, for private services like this, what that really means is the generally accepted rules of society of our particular society are enforced, but we don't talk about them and enforcing those rules is just part of being part of the machine. So they're invisible. That counts as, as being laissez faire. That counts as anything oh, for, goes for all the things where we align with the hegemony. Like we don't need to say anything right. because so that's the already best, normal. The easiest example is uh, no porn, no boobs, no nudity, right? Uh, almost every service enforces that. Uh, like any service that wants to have widespread, you know, like an everybody service, you, YouTube, Instagram, right. Twitter, like there is some porn limit that they aggressively pursue and there's never a debate about it and they don't talk about it. Well, and, and not, not, not to will... put too fine a point on it, but like, let's say the thing that needs to be said, like I had a friend that used to work at Flickr who was a lead in the group that dealt with like, you can't have kid stuff up here like that. I can't even say the word, but like that is, we are going to get in so much trouble. We're going to get in so much trouble in the United States. In Germany, we're going to have 10x more trouble because they really, really ride this stuff. This site will get shut down if this stuff goes up, right? That is an extreme. But but I hear what you're saying. Like there's some kinds of things that like anybody, it's like the justice says, I can look at it and see what it is. But like there's there's a somewhat a national community standard of like, you know what? Hot raw beavers is not a thing that we need to be spending resources on. That That needs to go away. And they will be doing that programmatically and aggressively expunging porn. At the same time, they are saying to themselves, our attitude is mostly that we don't want to be the judge of the content. Right? Yeah, this guy's really, this guy's not a Nazi. He's really, he's talking about states' rights. Let's, you know, right. the guy needs like, to have a voice. We don't, we don't want to come, because, because that is an area of, uh, where they feel like, you know, that's, that's an area of debate. Whereas porn, it's like, well, we can't have that because otherwise the entire site will become porn. Um, and, they don't see a disconnect between those two things. I mean, they're right about the fact that if you allow porn, the entire site will become porn. Like, they're 100% right about that. That's why you police for porn if you don't want to have a porn. If you want to have a porn site, have a porn site. It's right? the dandelion of content. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, by all means, have a porn site if you want to have a porn site. But they've decided what we're building here is not a porn site. We're building something different. Therefore, let's get rid of the porn, right? And th that is, like is so far out of the conversation. They say, okay, they never say, okay, well, what are we making here? Right. We're making everything that's not a porn site. <laughs> like, all right. So how do you feel about Nazis? Are they porn? 
No? Okay, good. That's fine. We'll, 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 we'll let them be there. We don't want, like, threats, because our lawyers tell me that's potentially legally actionable, but anything up but until then, making it incredibly hostile environment for people, that's fine, because that's just free speech, man. And, yeah. you know, like you said, like the, if, if anybody who's running these 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 sites, I was like, what what are what are you trying to make? What kind of environment are you, are you trying to make for yourself? Is is the environment in your service the way you want it to be? Because if not, you are empowered to change that by yeah. making rules the it's same your way it's you're your banning site. porn. Yeah. The same way you're banning porn. Exactly the same way. I'm sure lots of people are angry that you're banning porn because they're like, hey, I want to trade porn on this site. And you say, all right, well, make your own site or go to the million other sites. This site is not for trading porn. You can say this site is not for insert whatever you want. And well, they and, live and like in such you, fear change, that if they... You, you can change the valence of this just a little bit. I haven't really thought this through. But one way of changing the valence of this a little bit is, I mean, I feel like the the irony of this is that if you were, if you if one were to say, who's who's welcome here, who's allowed to speak here, that feels like censorship. If you were to say to somebody, like, let's make rules, like, and again, it's like, where, where are you going to have defaults versus exceptions, right? And so if we said, like, whoa, 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 this is a, this is a private club, you have to meet the following criteria to be able to post here. Like that, I could see how you could read that as censorship, but instead, like how, and I realize I'm just dreaming at this point, but how difficult would it be to say, like a pattern, let's put it this way, a pattern of behavior that demonstrates the following sorts of actions will not be welcome here. You will get a warning about it. And then when it exceeds that, like the first one might be a judgment call. Maybe you had a bad night, maybe you've been drinking, but like, if there's a pattern of behavior that you are doing that meets these following criteria, that is cause to do something to your account, right? And I, I feel like the thing is, th- that should not be that difficult. Unless I'm, unless I, and I realize that we're talking about a scale of this that is just crazy. But like just basic algorithmic stuff of like, if this has been reported by this percentage of people, who don't seem like lunatics, like there's all kinds of algorithms that you can plus or minus 20% on this stuff where you would get a pretty good idea where to focus your attention on a given afternoon, right? I think it's easy to do a larger law of large numbers thing where you act like this is an unsolvable problem because there's so much stuff. But, but true algorithmic stuff could show you patterns of stuff emerging that allow you to go in and make a value judgment. You say to that person, you know what, what you're doing right here falls outside. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you are, you are, you are, threatening other people you are espousing uh danger and damage to strangers whatever it is you guys decide what it is but make the rule and then enforce it and suddenly you have a clubhouse that is much more that's not that doesn't have to be censorship i mean if you've established what this is then you should be able to set a standard for when somebody passes that line and again when you see a pattern of somebody doing that why does that have to be something that has to be adjudicated over like weeks and months yeah, I don't like throwing the censorship word in there because when people hear that, they think someone is being prevented from expressing themselves. When in reality, we're using it in the context someone is being prevented from expressing prior, themselves. I'm, I'm talking more about prior restraint. When I say censorship, I'm saying like if you make if you make a rule that says, I just think there's a difference between like what's allowed here, what's not allowed here. If you make a law about make a rule about what's not allowed here, and it really is about patterns of behavior, I don't think that's censorship. I think censorship in some ways is saying you can't have an account here unless you agree with us. That's a different thing. I, I think uh, for private services like Twitter that uh, are not a monopoly on how people can express themselves on the internet, which at this point pretty much nothing is uh, a monopoly on expressing yourself on the internet, other than perhaps like you know, maybe DNS. But anyway, if you run a private website, 
uh, you should be able to uh, do whatever the heck you want. Uh, stop anybody from saying anything for any reason, for no reason. Uh, like, that's what you can do. And I think the problem is that, uh, you know, broadly speaking, the market or investors or us collectively have not realized the potential value of a social network that uh, is massively censored, right? <laughs> to, to put it in the scary way that will make people flip out, right? Um, the, the, Another uh, word could uh, be curated or... Not even curated, like, the, the, like because everyone's trying to say, oh, there should be a set of rules and they should make sense if I well, look like, at you, them. You and don't, I'm, and you I'm don't saying, see streakers at Disney World and that's part of the experience. Right, right. And, and I'm saying like, you don't need it to be super codified and having people looking for loopholes. If you governed it like, uh, the, like uh, the living room, of a friend's house, yeah, where no one has to write down the rules about how you can't take a piss in the middle of the rug. We, we, we don't have to tell you you're, you're not allowed Guess to poop what? on the couch. You're leaving the house, and it's like, but you didn't say in the rules you couldn't pee. You only said you couldn't poo, and now you only said on the rug. But I did it in the house. It's like, get out, you know, censorship, like, censorship, and, uh, right? You're Cue censoring me from, from peeing, censoring me from peeing in your house, right? And so <laughs> you, like, you didn't even tell me that wasn't cool, right? And so th- I think there is tremendous value. Speaking of things like that might supplant Facebook or whatever, if it becomes uncool and something else comes along that is not as good as Facebook, but people are pissed off enough at Facebook, right? To get the ball rolling on this, someone who makes a, a wide, I know there's lots of small communities that are like this, right? A widespread social network that, in, that enforces rules that exclude massive numbers, numbers of people who are jerks, right? This, mm-hmm. The current thinking is, if you do that, you will never get enough users. People will hate you. Everyone will be saying how you're censoring everybody and will say you can't go there. That's for censorship or whatever. Right. And I still firmly believe that most people mostly want a place free from systemic harassment and hate. <laughs> right. Like mm-hmm. in, in, in a way that is hard to codify in a set of rules because people who want to hate you and harass you are will just skirt those rules. Right. Um but we all we all know when someone's pissing on the rug in the middle of the room. We all know when it's happening, and and there is like you need a a service that's willing to say, look, we all know they're pissing on the rug. Get get them out of here. Like I don't so, care so almost, who almost they like are. A, almost like a referee in some ways. We're like we these are the rules of the place, they're, they're and I'm the person. Host. They're who just can a host. Yeah, it's just we're you know we live in a society, as someone once said. Someone once said, <laughs> but like it could be yellow card, red card, though. Where you could you shouldn't you yeah, be able there can to be, say by all means there can be a system and there can be appeals or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the, the, but the thing is, like any attempt to enforce that everyone thinks it will scare everyone away, that you'll never get scale, that people won't like your service. Uh, and that there's no upside to it. And so that's why Twitter is paralyzed by the fear of, like, accidentally making some Nazis angry or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that they they tread so carefully because they're terrified that this will be a terrible mistake. Uh, and I'm not sure if it's there's a way out for Twitter on this, but I think eventually some large, uh, you know, venture-funded social networky type thing is going to either accidentally or on purpose realize the massive untapped value of making someplace nice to go on the internet, right? Mm -hmm. And it'll be hard to get over that hump because conventional wisdom and everybody and everything about it is going to push against you and say, you can't do that. That's censorship. I'm never going there. That's a place where where opinions are silenced and it's just a giant echo chamber and everybody, you know, you have to be nice and that's BS. I'm going to the place where I'm allowed to talk. I'm going to the Freedom Network, blah, 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 blah. If you can get through that phase where everyone hates you and make a place that's pleasant and nice, the upsides are massive. Right. Uh, 
The downsides of having a single company control that nice place and decide what constitutes nice are also massive. But I think someone needs to overcome that first and be the first appeared to be good, but actually turns out to be evil company, but nevertheless proves the idea that you will not immediately go under if you exclude Nazis, mm-hmm. right? Which seems to be the conventional wisdom, but just like, don't ban the Nazis. You'll never get off the ground that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to do it legally in Germany, but every place else, let's have a complex set of rules to try to, you know, that only sometimes if the Nazis slip up, we'll ban them, but otherwise they're allowed to say whatever they want to say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but of course, blanket ban on porn, let's not even talk about that, right? <laughs> so it, it's so mixed up. One imagines there was a time um, like act like you don't know why this is important. You imagine there was a time when you could walk into a sports stadium with four nine volt, or let's say four D cell batteries, and you were not rejected from the place, right? Because it had not been shown what people could do with a D cell battery in, say, a wonderful city like Philadelphia. But now at this point, you're probably not allowed to come into the ballpark with a whole lot of D cell batteries because guess what? We've learned you can chuck those to people on the field. We discovered that, and now that's not a thing you can do. And if you did that, they would not hesitate to ban you from life for the arena. Well, here's the thing. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter what you threw. You can't throw stuff on the field. Like, even if it's for freedom, you can't throw stuff on the field. <laughs> and another example is, when is it, seventh inning? There's a point when they stop selling beer. Because I guess, for a long time, you could drink right up through extra innings. And guess what? Too many people got drunk. And then I, I, don't, I don't know when this happened or precisely why it happened but i know that when i've been in the ball game they cut off beer sales at a certain point i'll bet you dimes to donuts that when that was first announced let alone enforced just like the smoking bans in the 80s and 90s you know what people said i am never going to another i'm never going to another baseball game for the rest of my life because i'm not allowed to bring d batteries and i'm not allowed to drink in the 13th inning and i've God damn it, I am not allowed to even bring in D-cell batteries that I might want to throw at somebody. And you know, for every one of those and however many other things, you were just, they would, there were so many people that swore they would never go to another game. And you know what I'll bet you? I'll bet you a couple things. I'll bet you, first of all, a surprising number of those people made an accommodation in their behavior to where they could go to another Red Sox game, to where they could go to another Phillies game. And you know what? I will bet you that the minority of Dale Gribble-like people who objected to all of those things never went to another game and we haven't missed them. Do you follow? Yeah. Like, I mean, everybody's going to piss and moan about all of this stuff because they think it's an incursion on their state's rights. But the truth is, like, that's, this is like how, this is how we get better as a society. And like, you know what? There are people who won't go to restaurants, again, the Dale Gribbles of the world, who won't go because they can't smoke at the table. But, like, you know what? We still have restaurants. Like, it's okay. It worked out all right. And the world is better for it. I think the baseball stadium is interesting because baseball actually is a a government-supported monopoly. The only place where you can see Yankees home games is Yankee Stadium. So them not letting you buy beer after the seventh inning is much more an incursion of your rights than Twitter not doing something. Because there's a million ways you can express yourself on the internet so that the whole world can see you. Twitter is but one way. Uh, And whereas if you want to go to Yankees home game uh, or you want to start a a baseball league alongside... uh, You're going to need some municipal help on that. Yeah, so that's that's actually an even worse thing, but we, we accept that because we understand that they're just trying to make a nice place to go to baseball games. And uh, some people, you know, the, the, the I'm going to say the libertarians, but whatever, the, the freedom lovers would say, uh, that's that's not fair. You're making a sanitized, disney world, nothing goes wrong. And to that, I would say, feel free to make 
uh, a porn site. Feel free to make 8chan or 4chan. Like mm-hmm. You can make whatever you want on the internet. No one is stopping you. We're just saying, for this service that we made, we don't want you here. Right. And this is the most, the most basic thing, you know, and you have to watch for monopoly type situations where eventually there is one big giant Internet in this giant VR world and, and it's controlled by a private corporation. That's bad. Right. But mm-hmm. so far, mostly the Internet has been able to Facebook, notwithstanding, has been able to <laughs> resist this by saying, if you really don't like it and if you really want to make a place where you can just yell and curse at each other and uh, and uh, hang out with all your Nazi pals, uh, go ahead, make your own website there's a million of them you want to train porn pictures you want to take naked pictures of yourself and send them to each other go ahead make a website and do it like like that's that type of you know it, there's nothing stopping you from doing that on the internet and in in uh many places in the world including for the most part america there are limits obviously you mentioned a couple of them before where you do things that are illegal even if you do it on the internet will stop you like every country has laws but uh for in terms of enforcing politeness which is another topic way down in the things or anything like that making a nice place to be should not be something people are afraid of just like you said just ask disney they tried to make just a ask place any restaurant nice. just ask any yeah. restaurant like it, it, it like what do you mean i'm not allowed to start fights in here well right. no because like that would be really disruptive to all the people who are here for a meal but what about my right to start a fight what, like, what if i just want to be yelling and screaming yeah what if i just want to be hostile with people but i don't touch anybody like how can you throw me out for that i'm not actually yeah, touching anybody touch anybody right i'm not touching yeah, yeah. if i just yell rape threats but don't actually perform it on the table in the non-smoking section. You can't legally throw me out. Some restaurants you have to have a dress code. Yeah, you right. have to be wearing a certain thing. I mean, I've got it's most like of my you're pants denying on. my constitutional right for food. It's like, look at them. no, I'm not. This actually also leads to a question of um, what I want to call um, philosophical sunk cost fallacy because I don't have a better name for it. But like from, uh, I've had many good friends that have worked at Twitter. Uh, one thing, all law, maybe what Reddit. They have been very, as we talked, I think we talked about this a little bit last week. Twitter has historically taken a lot of pride in their, I don't want to politically charge term, their free thinking. They're like, any, like all opinions are good. Like this is, there's, there's no better opinion on Twitter, right? There isn't like any weight to this opinion over that opinion. Like from early on, you go see the early pushback back like when Biz was still there in those days and. God, some of his interviews are excruciating. But like you would just see like this, well, you know, that's not our job. Like we are, we, we saw Safe Harbor. Like we are this place where people come and they talk and we don't tell anybody like what's cool and what's not cool about it. And I think that was, as with, I imagine Reddit, that was such a guiding principle. I wonder if like, so I guess what I'm not saying is per earlier, I think the people they worry about are not their users. I think in some ways at this point, they worry about their investors who've got to be getting so antsy. But I think they also, I mean, don't you imagine there's some part of them does not, when I say some cost fallacy, that like they are not ready to backtrack on how much phony free speech they've invested in their rhetoric over the years and they don't want to look like hypocrites. Is that possible? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, you know, that actually just described like we're just a, a place for the free exchange of ideas is sort of uh, represented widely in popular tech social networks founded by white dudes right because Mm -hmm. they feel safe and they feel like i feel fine expressing my opinions and i don't have anything to fear from systemic harassment or uh you know real consequences for speech or anything like that therefore everyone else must feel the same that happens all over the place i'm I'm really proud of how unsensitive i am about being white like it's all these other people 
with all their identity politics that are very sensitive about what mm-hmm. people say about mm-hmm. them. But, but, that's, but that's why you can you can enter the situation and think to yourself, I want to be egalitarian and let it's not my place to judge your ideas. Yep. Everyone just yeah. come and everyone is welcome. And to, to to have that, to think that's how it's going to work out, you have to be coming from a certain on position. Of, on top of, again, on top of owning the site. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But like to be like the person who's like, God, you have no idea how heavy this crown is. This is really difficult for me. Yeah. And so, but to your second point about like, and don't they feel like, uh, some cost, but like stubbornness, like you don't, you don't want to admit you were wrong earlier. Right. Well, there's um, never a good day to stop smoking crack. There's never a good day to go like, you know what? We, uh, we, our heart was in the right place, but the way that we tried to express that with policy was poorly founded and we screwed up and we need to get better at that. And that starts with saying no to certain kinds of behavior and speech that are not welcome here. And we want to let you, we want to let our users know that going forward, this kind of speech and this kind of behavior are not welcome here. And we're going to have resources dedicated to taking care of that. And I think that that flies in the face of some idea of some kind of high fiving idea of like, no, Twitter's a place where everything can just hang out and do whatever. So I have to think at this point on on that specific uh, whether the, the stubbornness kicks in. It's actually the opposite that the incentives are aligned enough. The people who had that attitude originally would love to backtrack on it, but can't convince the investors that it's actually the right thing to do. Right? That it's or not that it's, that or that it's are, even it's a profitable thing to do. It, yeah, it's not that it's their pride on the line. It's that. Any move they make in that direction when they run the numbers based on their best understanding of how the world works ends up being bad for them. That's, you know, people say they don't want to do anything that will will touch their engagement. They don't want to ban bots because they get lots of engagement from the bots. They don't Mm -hmm. want to ban Nazis because then all the Nazis will leave. And there's a lot of them and they they drive a lot of traffic and they want to keep (laughs) it going. First they came for the Nazis and I said nothing. Yeah. And and I, I think... The people who originally had those misguided ideas about making a judgment-free zone for the free exchange of ideas have come around, but uh, can't enact those policies without convincing people who just will not be convinced because they don't have any test case that this is actually... That's why there has to be a new service to show this is a nice thing to do. And it's it's an interesting contrast to, like, uh, the entertainment industry, which started in the opposite direction. Or like the comic books code or the Hollywood code of what was it, the 40s or whatever, mm-hmm. where there was things you could show on screen and things you couldn't, right? Very strict rules to basically make everything a nice, pleasant place. And they decided what kind of uh, place they were going to have. And yeah, they had the, the Hayes, opposite the Hayes code, I think, largely yeah. came out of the Catholic Church. Just be, things like Hunchback of Notre, Notre Dame were not going to be okay. Like it was, you know, sex and religion stuff, especially. Right. And, and the they had the opposite phenomenon where someone someone came in and said, you know, like this... Uh, you've made a pleasant place that you think is a nice place to be, and it is, but people want to tell different kinds of stories. And so we want to make sure that you're not the only people who can tell stories. In fact, some other people are going to tell their own stories. And it was, you know, the studio system and the near monopoly it had on the entertainment industry was broken and things changed by, you know... having having like we have a different idea of what is going to be allowable and so we're going to try this and see if people like that and just in the same way that if twitter decides that there's no nazis someone says i have a different idea you say nazis aren't allowable i think people want nazis i'm going to make a social network over here that allows nazis and then the nazis and people who want to hang out with nazis will go over there just like the people who wanted to see nudity in movies or movies about religion will go like this this sorts itself out as long as everyone is free to make their own right it's, like, it's not like it's not like um you know youtube is going to fold because mr skin exists 
something I just learned about from the flop house, but like, uh, but same here. It's like, well, like, and I, I realize there's ways that this could be twisted to be real screwed up, but you're like, okay, so if you change your dark, broad line to say this kind of, and I don't know a better way to put this, like here's a certain kind of behavior or speech that's permissible. Patterns of speech and behavior that don't match this are like not welcome here. Who are you going to miss? Like you're really going to lose that much market share. Like Nazis were overusing that term, but, but let's like just say people who threaten violence against uh, social, cultural and political strangers. Like, is it really going to be that bad to lose those people? Like, are you really afraid of losing the market of that? See, the thing is like, the and this is these are things that have actually happened. This just doesn't happen on a big scale, which is why we don't talk about it. But you can make a site where people aren't allowed to curse. You can make a site where everyone has to speak in limericks, right? You can make anything you want. It's just a question if I if I make a site where you have to speak in limericks, am I going to be successful? How many people will want to tolerate that? And mm-hmm. so you can you can have a theory about it, and you can try it, and you may find out. Turns out you can't make that big of a site where everyone has to speak in limericks because it's limiting <laughs> and people don't know what limericks are and they find it annoying. How about a site where people aren't allowed to curse? Oh, they find ways around it or you just end up banning everybody and it turns out most people want to curse. Right? So if it turns out you make a site where people aren't allowed to curse and people don't like that, yeah. they won't go to your site, right? That's why I feel like we need the, the, the proof, the test case to say, if you make a place that is pleasant to go, you have the potential to get a very big audience. The studio system with the Hayes code and the comic book system with the comic book code Mm -hmm. was appealing to a large number of people. The problem was when it was a monopoly or near monopoly where it's the only thing you can have, but the internet doesn't have that problem so much. You can make a new social network. You're making a Hayes code for, say, Marvel in this case. Yeah, or or just just like the Disney brand, like, you know, or the Mm -hmm. Pixar brand. Pixar does not make porn, right? They could make porn if they wanted they can make they CG can make porn. Really good, really good right. porn. Right. Yeah, they would, the, the lighting would be incredible. It would, it would, it would be the, hair, the porniest the porn you've ever seen. The moisture would be very realistic. Right. They choose not to. Right. They could choose to if they <laughs> felt like we are not expressing enough of the market with, with Finding Dory. We mm. There's a portion of the market that we are not getting. It's the people who want <laughs> Grinding uh, porn. Dory. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's already been made, I'm sure. Um, like, there's a place for everyone to try to get their audience. And the, the problem is with these, with these mass... Uh, networks is that i feel like they're going after most people as many people as they can Mm -hmm. but they're becoming unpleasant places because of this tiny sliver of people that makes it unpleasant for other people and we need someone somewhere to be convinced that that if you allow someone else to capture that sliver you say i'm excluding those people i'm not going to give them what they want right Mm -hmm. that they will go elsewhere and have do whatever it is they want to do, but you will still be left with enough people that it's that it makes a lot of money, and those people will be happier. Like someone needs to to, and I said I don't understand. Like Disney has made a hojillion dollars making an artificially pleasant place. It's used as the pejorative to say, "Oh, you want to turn Times Square into Disneyland?" Right. Disneyland makes a lot of money. Like mm-hmm. Disney as a corporation is in general successful enterprise in terms of figuring out how to get money from lots of people in exchange for goods and services that they enjoy, right? It's had its ups and downs, right? But in general, you use it as a pejorative because you feel like you're filing off the edges of things, but there's room for everything else. You can have Disney and everything else in the entertainment industry and they can both coexist. And if I told you, who do you want to own? Uh, you know, a successful porn site or Disney? Most people, investors, would pick Disney because it makes it there's more revenue and has the potential for more profit, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's in the mainstream. 
we haven't yet had on the internet. People have been too obsessed with everything's got to be free. And, you know, we are making a second level government here. So if we make judgments on things, we're censoring things and freedom of speech and blah, blah, which is total BS. I just want more people to run the experiment of making a pleasant place. And, and speaking of that writ small, uh, thinking of the Dubai Friday discord thing you've got going on the other thing where it se- I haven't been on it. Uh, but it seems like the, the attitude there is, this is a tiny little place where fans of the show can talk to each other. And the people who run the discord, the people on the show have a set of rules that we say, we want this to be a pleasant place. And if you piss on the rug, we're going to kick you out. And that is a signal to everyone else to say, if you come in here, you don't have to worry about rug pissers because right. if you see someone doing it, they'll get kicked out. And we all more or less agree on this very strict set of rules about behavior. And we're not worried in our tiny little community. In some ways, it's, a, it's more Excluding of like what, what used to be called, I don't know if you call it a commune, but very much like an intentional community where part of the community is talking about the community and how it's run. Like that, that's, that's, you don't just, you don't just go there and not be interested in the meta part of it. Like that's part of what attracts people to it. Um, but, but I mean, do you think Twitter's too big to care whether they're good? I mean, I, you know. by, by which I mean, like, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't have access to the numbers and stuff like that, but like, I don't know, there's this, there's this, uh, part of me that wonders, like, do they just not care because it seems like they need to care about something. I just haven't figured out what they care about. Like there's a, there's a good as in capital G way to, to the, like, if they care about good things, I could see that being good for everybody, including Twitter, the investors and the people who use it. I just can't even figure it. Like I say, it's so it's so wrong. It's not even right. I can't figure out what they think they're doing right now. Maybe I'm just super confused, but I don't understand like who they think. Like obviously they're tr- they're trying to get growth. They're trying to bring people in, but like who's excited about joining Twitter today? So they have Twitter is kind of between a rock and a hard place here again because of the 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 incentives and the people who control this and people who put the money in and what they believe. Um, mm-hmm. They, Twitter has incredible cultural significance and everyone involved in it feels like they can see how important it is. Like Twitter is so, you know, hashtags and Twitter and everything involved in it is so part of the culture right now that anyone who has any money in it is terrified of killing the golden goose, even if you don't know how to make it lay eggs. And so anyone suggests, hey, we should Disneyify Twitter and get rid of all the mean people. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. If we do that we risk ruining this whole thing. Like, let's not be too hasty here. And I think they're, they actually, at this point, are kind of right, because if Twitter tried to turn itself around, the backlash would be huge, and the, it would be right for someone else to swoop in, because Twitter would not be able to convince the world that it means it. Like, Twitter's reputation has been cemented as the place where people can be mean to they, each other at this lose? point. Who do they really lose by doing that? It, it, I, I don't... Uh, I'm, saying, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm saying it's a real thing. I'm saying yeah. the perception would be yeah. that... The mean people would leave and everyone else wouldn't believe Twitter because they would be like, yeah, but Twitter, you're never going to, you're not actually committed to your twi- The Twitter's brand is not Disney's brand, right? Mm-hmm. Disney spent a long time building the brand as if you see a Disney movie, you know what you're getting, good, wholesome entertainment that is, uh, you know, that has certain limits and, you know, certainly not going to be uh, blood and gore and violence and porn and stuff like that. And if there is... It's not going to have the Disney logo in front of it. It'll have a different. Like maybe it's a Miramax movie or whatever. Like they, you know, they understand that the entertainment industry understands branding and segmentation. Uh, but if you took something like Disney and decided you're going to, st- oh, that's the reverse. But you know, if you took something that that is that is showing 
uh, R-rated movies all the time and tried to use that same brand to say, oh, now, now we're family friendly. People wouldn't believe you. And they'd say, oh, I used to make edgy movies that I like, and now you're trying to do family friendly, but you're not a family friendly brand. Forget you. And they would leave, right? right? It's because Twitter has spent a decade or so building its current reputation and brand that is the opposite of what we're talking about. So they are kind of stuck here. And of course, investors, if you mention any of these ideas, will say, that sounds like death. You're going to lose all my money. Yeah, like we're scrambling as it is. We couldn't afford to lose one user. Yeah, we just need to not screw this up. So please don't suggest to me anything <laughs> that could potentially screw this up. God, what a, what a recipe for mediocrity at best. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Slack. You can learn more about Slack right now by heading over to slack.com. Oh, you guys know Slack. It's a collaboration hub. It lets you organize your team's work in easily searchable channels. You can use Slack for projects, interests, teams, or for your whole office. And when you do, you'll know that all the right people are always in the loop. All the relevant information is in one place. And it's easy for new team members to get up to speed. Slack helps you dramatically reduce the number of emails that you need to send and receive. And it helps streamline your team's communication. With Slack, your team can make use of real-time messaging, video and voice calls, group file sharing, searchable archives, all in one easy-to-use app. Plus, you can use drag-and-drop file sharing that works with the apps that you already use, like Google Drive, Salesforce, Zendesk, you name it. Slack works wherever you do. Their mobile apps for iOS and Android sync seamlessly, so you can always pick up right where you left off, no matter where you are. This show you're listening to right now might not exist without Slack. We use it extensively for this show and across the Relay network. Our entire team has a Slack channel just for reconcilable differences, and we use it to produce the episode, to listen to the drafts, to make sure the ads are up to date. Everything we need to do, we do it all in Slack, and it's so easy, and it generates a zero email, which you know daddy liked. To learn more about Slack right now, you head over to slack.com. That's slack, S-L-A-C-K dot com. Our thanks to Slack for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM Slack, where work happens. It's a cute picture of your daughter there with the uh, mouse ears and the yeah. little baby Simba there. Baby Simba. Yeah, she used to be she used to be really into um well this time around she was really into what is that? Adventureland? Adventure time? <laughs> <laughs> is it Adventureland, Frontierland? I forget what it's called. I, oh, I the, still, yeah, I still, the place this with is, all the, the place with all the fake wood. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fake wood. Boy, this, this is my second trip to Disneyland, and I really just more and more notice how it's not as good as Disney World. Yeah, I don't, I don't oh, know how people tolerate brutal. this. That, that parking lot in the middle of California that you call an amusement park. John, when you get on the train, because you know Walt loved trains, you get on the train that goes around the park, they don't even bother to cover up where construction is happening. There's men in yellow helmets. I, you know, I, you know, Walt Disney's head would be rolling around in a freezer if he knew that what was happening at Disneyland. The train goes by and there's like, like construction workers like waving, like guys in yellow hats and the yellow and black tape. They're, they're not even bothering. There's not even like Trump loyal nonsense to cover it up. They're just like doing stuff. There's like parking lots being built places. There's sight lines nah that's good we'll take care of that don't worry about it. don't worry about that it was just real weird real weird not like disney world you feel taken care of at disney world you feel cradled you know what i'm yeah. saying it's just I, I think a real a real benefit disney world they just got so much damn space so much space but i'll tell you the place where she's pictured here in her hakuna matata um mickey mouse ears they got really good fried chicken very high quality fried chicken i find that hard to believe google disneyland fried chicken you're gonna learn some things hey 
We never actually, um, I went to Disney for all that time and I skipped meaning for us to talk. Maybe I did. Maybe I talked about Disney food, but, and maybe I'm, I'm picky about food, but boy, was I that you? Was un- underwhelmed at, uh, oh, at Disney food yeah. across the whole Including Epcot? park. Everywhere. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't terrible, hmm. but it yeah. was not good. And it, we we just tried everywhere. We tried every every possible restaurant, and I was amazed that like no matter where I went, there was no there was no no place I could go that would give me something that that didn't just we seem actually like talked about this. I mean, this is food. this is our version of Twitter. My wife and I going like, you know, it just seems like they should have a place that is just uh, this is not the phrase we use, but just balls out real good food. Like maybe like a four, not five, but like a four star dining experience. Sure, charge a lot, but like something like really like, whereas it's mostly like it's serviceable. It never totally sucks the food, but it doesn't really get above like a B plus. Nope. And I think it's just about volume. Like you can't, Mm -hmm. it's just too many people. You can't have a nice restaurant for that many people. It's just too, the volumes are too big. That's why everything is so industrialized and hospital foodie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, now that I've set the bar with Disneyland, I feel like maybe one more trip to Disneyland and then we go to Disney World and you find out what you're really missing. Oh, she's, she's getting, she hasn't been yet. She's, she's getting past yeah, that age. You should have gone already. Yeah. So now she's late. not going to appreciate it. Now she's going to be all cynical. Oh, God damn it. So many mistakes. We got no time for anything else. We, uh, we, we, we're out of time. It's four exclamation points. What did you expect? Oh, I knew, I knew it was. Let me close this window. I knew it was going to be a dinger. But uh, yeah, but, but, oh, actually, but we have time for one little, one little tiny thing here. Keep it tiny. Merlin's favorite Simpson line. Oh, okay. So I don't know what the name for this is in the pantheon of various kinds of follow up, but um, a wonderful panel of some of all but two of my favorite incomparable people were on this episode and I'll never name who they are. We're on this episode um, to talk about uh, Jason Snell ran a draft. This will be up by the time this episode comes out, right? If you wanted to call in during the... Um, did a draft of favorite Simpsons lines. And there's... I'm already into the bring out your dead part, and I can't believe nobody picked this. Did anybody end up picking my line? I don't think so, if it's the one that's in the notes document. Yeah, really? So I can't believe please, that. Please explain to me this line, the context, and why it's your favorite. Um, so, I mean, you guys went through and it's a draft. There was, let's see, it's you, um, not chip. Uh, let's see. You got, you got, uh, uh, Jason. Monty. There was like, you know, five. Yeah. Yeah. Phil. So you, yeah, yeah, Phil, Phil Michaels, you got, got the, got a good group there and uh, you each pick a, once the lines off the board, you go around and you had, there were many, many very good lines and a lot of people like Phil trying to jam in two per pick, but, um, I, I have a lot of favorite Simpsons. By the way, you did very, very well. You had a wonderful, like all of the lines I hope you would bring up that I knew you loved, you did bring up. The classic Ralphie lines, the classic dumb lines, the classic one word lines. Because so many of the great Simpsons lines are about how it was presented in some ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You got to do the voices or try to anyway. Like, so, I mean, there's an, you could have an empirically funny line like, I for one welcome our insect overlords mm-hmm. but it's the way that he says it that's really that really yeah, kind of kills that was it. on my list and also uh uh and the baby looked at me that whole sequence <laughs> <laughs> i didn't want to overload right. ralphie but i had a lot but of there ralphie was a stuff surprising and i'm not doing that thing i'm not doing the you forgot thing i'm not doing that but like there was a surprising paucity of of lionel hutt's lines i thought some of the greatest lionel hutt's lines 
are uh, many of the great Phil. Um, why am I spacing on his name? Phil Hartman lines in general. Troy McClure. <laughs> Here comes the metric system. It's the way that he says the line. But if I look at, I'm not going to say this is my all-time favorite line, but I'm saying in terms of a line that I still find the most use for within a given month, there are a lot. One that got left out is mm, ellipsis something. Like I find myself using that a lot. Like, you know, all lines of, yeah, like as in mm, organized crime. Like that's a classic, but uh, it's uh, Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 2, which was the probably the season opener around season, what, six or so? Five or six? And they're going around trying to solve the mystery of Who Shot Mr. Burns, and at one point... <laughs> I don't remember the, how what the line proceeding it was, but you'll see in the screen grab here, um, uh, Wiggum and um, Smithers... Um, go to the retirement castle to follow up a lead on what happened to one of these the spent bullets, and uh, they discover that it was Jasper had like an errant bullet had shot him in the leg, and all I remember is that Wiggum says something about blah, 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 says a bunch of stuff, and Jasper goes, "You shot who in the what now?" And it's it's the it's the perfect response to almost everything where you don't understand. The question, you don't understand the basis for the question. So when, when my when my daughter says something <laughs> inscrutable to me, I say, you should who in the what now? Does do you remember know, the line now? Does she know what it's from? Sure. You, have to you, guys, you, guys, you guys kept saying something that drove me crazy. Which I'm, That's what you say. You guys say, Meh. I haven't watched The Simpsons in 10 years. I haven't watched The Simpsons in 14 years. Not one True, of you, though. not one of you, that I could detect said, I don't watch, which is still annoying to say because it's, the show's not as bad as everybody says, but nobody said, I haven't watched, I haven't deliberately watched new episodes of The Simpsons since 2002. Nobody put it that way. Everybody said, I haven't watched The Simpsons in 10 years. We watch The Simpsons like four times a week. How are you not watching The Simpsons? No, we're not. That's you're what, not, that's you're what we're not watching, You're not watching season four season five episodes at your house at all no no well so well for me personally i don't know what everyone else is doing but i don't i'm not as much of a television rewatcher as you what are about your I, poor children how are they going to become educated they don't know about the simpsons they don't like there's so many i have to have to selectively <sighs> oh, choose John, how John, i'm gonna John. educate I, they don't know about seinfeld they don't know about cheers like all these things of people i who you're breaking my heart but I, I only only have so much uh, cultural indoctrination that I can spend on them, and in general, <laughs> I choose to spend it. On all right, areas. all right, fine. I won't. Because their willingness at this point now, like uh, my son is getting into anime, and I've been uh, suggesting to him non crap anime that he might watch. Yeah, and I've got a few good ones in there. Like I've, I think I got struck at the right time in the same way that I basically uh, gave him, uh, you know, a, a curriculum in video game education tailored to his needs but to try to give him a and, cultural and just for, background just for context he is somewhat more receptive to your influence than your daughter at this point about video games yes i mean i tried all these things on both of them movies video games it's just sometimes one is receptive sometimes the other is you know so it, in terms of video games my son is more receptive uh in terms of uh well i actually got i got my i got uh kate with uh edith finch snagged her with that one. oh wow cool she, she's played through it multiple times Wow! Uh, wow! Still, wow. Still, still has trouble with a couple of parts that she has me help her out with, but it, but in general, like you just you just got to keep trying to figure out what sticks. But but for I gave uh, up after trying to figure out how to get off a ledge for forty five minutes. Yeah, you might need someone to help you out there. I but, just uh, really need someone to help me. But, out. but but that's the thing, like the because the hooks got into her, 
that she was willing to come and, you know, this light and come and ask mm-hmm. me to help and right. say, I, I want to continue, but I'm stuck at this point. Can She's you just got like a, what do they call it? A passionate task. Like she has something that like, she needs that help. She wants you to, you know, help her with her journey. Right. And then after that, it's like, okay, you can go now. Right. Go, <laughs> go. Go back. And she's done it multiple times. And, <laughs> and I, and also she's finally getting a little bit into Mario Kart. We, we tried that as a family for so long and she found it very frustrating. Um, and now she's just past the hurdle where she's able to like do it on her own and start developing the skills that you need to develop. To sort I think of, you should start out by you know. saying, let's agree not to throw things at each other. I think if you just drive, it's fun. But then somebody starts throwing stuff, and it's very no, disruptive. Just, just the driving is uh, she's having difficulty just basically staying. Well, especially not, if somebody throws stuff at you, though. We have a rule in our house: no throwing stuff. Yeah, that's why the the, the one on the switch is better because it has this assist mode. I think uh, uh, Tiff has talked about it on her gaming podcast, where it's for like for very young children, where you don't have to steer at oh, all anymore. Really? Yeah, oh, wow, have, like, that's cool. It's not like, it's not just that the thing grabs you and puts you back on the track. Yeah, it's very like they have many levels of assistance up to the point where basically anybody can do it. But the one the one she's playing doesn't have that mode, but she's she's finally figured it out. But uh but yeah, for for cultural things, uh, like on the anime thing, my son was like I I seated him with a couple of important ones, but now already he's at the point where he said I need another anime show and I give him one. Yeah. And he watched a little bit and he's like, "No, oh, it's boring." It's like, oh, mm. it's like, you have yeah, to know Yeah, but you never know. They, they might come tolerate. back. You're, you're, you're planting a seed. We just started on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I think, I think the, the, the TV is where I want to be a Viking. Oh, by the way, that line. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that there was anybody who, uh, Sleep, That's Where I'm a Viking, uh, by Ralphie. I, I can't believe anybody else, I can't, I can't imagine that there was another way to interpret that line, but now I totally hear it. What, which, the, one do you, the, which one do you I, think I thought? I think you thought the same as mine, but I'm pretty sure that the most people, most people who hear that line are thinking that he's, what he's describing is the fact that when he sleeps, he dreams that he is a Viking, which is it, not how I interpret that, it. That all. interpretation, you describing that in that episode, it's the first time I had ever considered that. I, like you, I thought it meant that's a thing I'm great at. Mm-hmm, exactly. Sleep, that's where I'm a Viking. Yep. But, but Ralphie <sighs> being Ralphie, the it it kind of makes more sense. It kind of makes more sense for him to. Yeah, no, it actually makes more sense for his character. Yeah, you shot who in the what now? Yeah, can, you the, can you do the Chief Wiggum voice? Uh, oh, it's not Jasper. It's a Jasper voice who says that's right. You shot who in the what now? That's pretty good. Pretty close. Well, Jasper's tough. He doesn't have uh, I, I, his his moon pies one. That was one I would uh, <laughs> would have had him. Uh, lo- speaking speaking of Simpsons lines, like this is this is an affliction. Like this is an actual. All right, I struggle with it a little bit. But, but it's a thing that I actually struggle with. Uh, one of the Simpsons things, kind of like the mm, thing that you just did. Yeah. I consciously stop myself from doing 90% of the time. Because Pinchy? even though it's it's funny in my head 100% of the time, it's probably funny to the outside world 0%. So I allow myself like the 10% to just take the hit and say, uh-huh. I find this hilarious. And this is, this is I've, I've probably done it to you and I am multiple times, right? Okay. When someone says, whatever, yeah, but you didn't take the trash out or you forgot to whatever, like nobody, you know, nobody ever said that we should whatever. I do the the Homer thing. It's like, you didn't take the trash out. Didn't I, Marge? Didn't I? Right? My daughter has been deploying that line a lot lately. I, I wonder if that's that, where she got it from. I've, it's, I mean, it's Homer making it. Well, it's a, another like one a, of your like condescending, Homer's funny when he's trying to be condescending and he's really dumb. Yes, exactly. And and Homer, it, like the excellent thing, it is a play on a thing that happens in <laughs> right, lots of, layer, you know. layers and layers like, to it. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. The, the after, uh, after school special or whatever, like, <laughs> but we never actually got to whatever thing, <laughs> didn't we? And But I, 
is almost nothing anybody can say where I do not say that to myself in my head and laugh at it at myself in my head. It's not that funny, but to me, it, it's for, like, and I can't, every once in a while, I, I let it out, right? But rest assured that if anybody tells me that I didn't do something or that we didn't have that's, something that's or good. something wasn't seen, I always say, didn't we? Didn't we? <laughs> I just I just find it funny forever. And they've used it on The Simpsons many times, right? Like, I didn't right. want to put that didn't in there. Didn't Marge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, but yeah, it's exactly in the, 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 the vein of humor that, uh, Jason identified of Homer being condescending when he's, when he's oh, really so dumb. Good. But, but, but and it's the, also. The old rule of thumb is of like whenever Homer puts the bifocals on, something very funny is about to happen. Cause he, he's about to, he's in his mm-hmm. trying to be smart mode. Some inevitably something very, he will do something very stupid when he puts the bifocals on. But I also think that didn't, I think like there's a profound angle from like the original meaning of like, uh, like you know, whatever in the after school special, like we we never actually made it to the rainbow, whatever palace, like didn't we? Right, right. There's like the, the person who's saying it sincerely <laughs> That's believes. That's a subtle one. That's a subtle s- one. Sincerely believes that the thing that uh, that someone is complaining that didn't happen actually did happen because you were looking at it the wrong way, right? And that mm-hmm. that that is part of what makes the humor work for me for that. So I apologize for anyone who I said this to in real life or tried to do in text chat, and people had no idea what I'm referring to, and then I had to explain it. But I'm telling you, I'm saying it to myself in my head all the time, and then didn't you, and then stopping myself from I? saying this. Um, Selma uh, gets Hans Molman as a mole man as a at the DMV in Selma's Choice. <laughs> they go out to dinner. <laughs> Hans Molman's reading the menu with the waitress standing there, and he goes, "Combed biscuits, chicken, yellow." Mailman, the waitress goes. You're reading the wine list, sir. He puts his menu down and goes, "Very good." <laughs> R Q J question mark smiley face. <laughs> you could have run the episode, aren't you? Uh huh. You would have been. You would have no been like me. For you. <laughs> Speaking of things that I prepared, uh, as I think I mentioned in the pre-show, I had. Uh, timestamp YouTube clips. Yeah, I heard you were my, totally prepared. Everything that was not bring out your dad, you were totally ready for. I had Frankiac links. Wow. Anime, direct links to the GIF and links to the GIF builder so you could uh, adjust them for all of my quotes. Oh, you're so and, ready. And if, it, and if I was doing that episode, I would have found the audio for all that it inserted in and then been taken down for copyright. So I enjoy it very Jason's much. not going to do that. That's too much. Excellent. Last exit to Springfield was a very good episode. Now I want to go back and some of the ones that you guys kept retreading over that I don't think of classics. You know, you you touched on this. We might have touched on this too, but um, Grimy, Homer's Enemy. Mm -hmm. Frank Grimes, yeah. At the the time, uh, my total balls out affection for The Simpsons had been waning for a while. And when that episode came out, I was just angry. And now I return to it, and I think it's without question one of the great episodes. It's so so good, and it, it, you are, as you said, it is so dark. <laughs> Look at me, I'm Homer Simpson. <laughs> it's a, it's a it's same man in an insane world, which, which taps the. I got I got to get home to my lobster. <laughs> people people find those kind of uh, in sci-fi and other drama series find that unsettling and off-putting because. Everyone at one time or another has felt like the same man in an insane world type of thing right. where everyone else is doing something that doesn't make any sense. 
and you are the only one who sees it and you try to explain to them how their entire world doesn't make any sense and no one will listen. It's kind of a Cassandra thing a little bit, but it's it's also just well, it's, that, like, it's like you say the insane like Eddie Albert in Green Acres kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's incredibly frustrating. And it also in The Simpsons, like kind of breaks down the you know uh, unsuspends the disbelief right Mm -hmm. where you can you the simpsons world is revealed the artifice of the simpsons world is revealed by this character who's dropped into it explaining how ridiculous this is like it's like it's like a hell to be trapped in your own favorite show where suddenly it's not just funny to look from the outside but now you have to deal it's like you know if you were in seinfeld and had to be friends with those people or you were in the simpsons and had to deal with homer being homer Right, And it's unsettling. And it's like, that's not what I came here for. I came here for to suspend my disbelief and to believe in The Simpsons to just laugh at it from a distance because haha, isn't that funny? But if I was placed into that world, it would be horrifying. Also because their their record of playing against the grain and doing self-reference is pretty spotty. It's it, Sometimes they nail it and sometimes they don't. Yeah, and it's like, not like and sometimes South Park if, where they're if, constantly... If they go, well, if they don't go too far, I mean, how can I put this? I feel like the ones where they go real far and go real weird are like, 10 to one sketches as they say on SNL or like the steamed hams. Like, I don't know how that ever got, I mean, I don't know how that ever got past an editor. Cause it's just so, so freaking weird. And there's a reason it's so memorable. Um, that's also the one with, uh, that is that the one with yelling maws on the roof. Is that Cletus? I don't know most if that's fo- the same episode. That's the problem with finding clips on YouTube. Most folk will never lose a toe, but then again, some focal like mm-hmm. Cletus, the slack shot yokel. Oh my God. <laughs> but this was a contest for children yeah and homer beat the brains out <laughs> i can't stand anymore this whole plan is insane insane i tell you i can be lazy too look at me i'm a worthless employee <laughs> and i wish i wish i had speaking of the, my, my last pick as the non-quote click was the sight gag that's harder to find I, I found it at one point and i lost it again the crusty balloon one is a classic which one is that oh where they're looking for war they find um Handsome Pete, who dances for nickels because of the size of the balloon. Oh, yeah, with the blowing up the balloon. Yes, I know. I can be lazy, too. Look at me. I'm a worthless employee, just like Homer Simpson. Give me a promotion. I ate like a slob, but nobody minds. I'm peeing on the seat. Give me a raise. He carved it himself from a bigger spoon. (laughs) What is that from? That's from the chili eating episode where Homer comes in with his own chili eating spoon. And and, uh, Larry, uh, that's Larry's line. He says it to Carl or whatever. He's admiring the spoon. He says he carved himself from a bigger spoon. Lenny? Which is one of those stupid, nonsensical, like, a lot of Simpsons lines are really dumb. Like, there is no joke there except that it's dumb. But it's dumb enough that it makes you laugh. Right. And I, I use that one a little bit. As well, it's not always funny to me, like the uh, the didn't I one, uh, but it occurs to me to say it. I'll try to do the Lenny voice, and then people will ignore me. <laughs> Pray for Mojo. Mm-hmm.